Welcome to a podcast of candy. I'm Emil, pronouns he, they. And I'm Sam, pronouns she, her. And this is our niche self-indulgent mini-series, and it's a limited series, so this is our final episode where we yeah. talk all <laughs> things A Crown of Candy. Kind of insane. Um, so yes. insane. <laughs> so this is part two of our fanbook finale where we spotlight different fan creators in the Crown of Candy fandom. Last week we explored Kalmathar with Squid and Sydney, Carapen with August and Izzy, and Sweet Religion with Dee and Nyla. So go check that out if you haven't. And this week we'll have a brand new set of creators, musicians, writers, actual dropout crew members. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. I mean, we don't know because we definitely haven't pre-recorded these. Yeah, absolutely not. We absolutely have not reached out to any people. These people have reached out to us. Yeah. So again, if you have a cute alternate universe or a fan work or background character you just really love... Um, and can talk about for 20 minutes, head straight over, um, wow, how did I fuck that up? straight over to the phone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Head over to the phone and call 1-800-D20-ACOC on your cellular device now. That is (laughs) 1-800-220-2262. Don't call that number, please. This is (laughs) pre-recorded. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we had some really interesting guest last time i i really wonder like what type of fan creators we'll get this time Uh. hey how are we all and who do we have the pleasure of speaking with today i'm mahal pronouns they them and i'm the founder of the sigfix uh and i'm no uh i use they them pronouns and i'm a songwriter and artist on sigfix and, and we're, we're the, the sick face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit redundant, but it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> the little thing where the radio people are like, and we're whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, we're so happy to have you guys here. So, you have to be living under a rock to not know who the sick things are. But just in case, what exactly are the sick things? The sick figs are a collective, like a collective of fans in the Dimension 20 fandom that make music mm. together. And we're kind of a band, kind of a collective. We collaborate on music together. <laughs> and we're all yeah. friends. <laughs> Most and of we're all. all friends. <laughs> First thing, good to know. First and foremost. <laughs> So the idea um, of a fan band is really interesting. What has inspired you to start a fan band for Dimension 20 in the first place? Uh, so in Fantasy High, Fig and Gorgug have a band, Fig and the Sig Figs. I was just, mm. it was near the end of sophomore year. I was just sitting at home and I was like, oh, hey, what if I wrote a couple songs that Fig has mentioned having on their actual album? And so I was going to write these songs and um, I was just talking about it like, hey, what are some song names? I was just I was just asking other people that I knew. And then um, I think it was the first person I reached out to was my uh, partner in crime, M, who is not here with us today. And then Nor reached out to me. <laughs> as At first, as a lyricist, I only reached out to write lyrics. Uh <laughs> 
and and then it it's kind of snowballed from there <laughs> yeah uh, in the best way possible though yeah so we were just kind of inspired by the concept of fig and gorgug having a band together and then now we we are the sick figs yeah the thing is that <laughs> yeah there, there wasn't at first the intention to start a band in a, a long-term sort of way it was just like one album <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it just got bigger and bigger and and now mm. here we are baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah jumping off of that yeah six weeks uh, is the kind of thing where like it seemed like it started like super small but then like you said Nora, it just sort of like spiraled and everyone got into bigger and bigger projects um yeah i guess like did you expect it to get the sort of attention and um oh god holy right <laughs> no not Holy at all. Shit. It was just going to be this little thing. And then all of a sudden, really what happened was I wrote in a song the second, I wrote in a song the second to last episode. And I was like, this is just going to be a small album. And now my song is just out there and my voice is out there. And I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, I, and, yeah. It, it was so, I, I, I joined the album as a lyricist, just to write lyrics, because I, at that time, I, I thought I couldn't write music. <laughs> well, I've been proven wrong <laughs> by myself. Uh, and then I, yeah. I said, okay, I'll join in as a vocalist. I didn't have a mic. I had to go to someone else's house to get a mic. Uh, it was like two days before lockdowns hit in France. It was a nightmare. Oh my um, God. And then I posted Satellite, which got a lot of attention, which I did not expect. <laughs> Um, oh, and satellite, then, my beloved. Uh, and yeah, and then the album came out, and fucking Emily Axford was in my DMs telling me, "Oh, can I cover actor, oh which God. I really like?" And I'm freaking <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> like, wait, hold on, what is going on? Why is Emily Axford in my DMs? Oh my God. <laughs> um, and and then oh uh, Secret Road uh, happened, and the musical quality just went off the roof. I. We all had awakenings <laughs> in the past year, and the yeah. same thing happened with the last album. It's just so wild. It's so, so wild. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's so cool. And, like, one, one thing that always kills me is, like, all three albums were released during the COVID pandemic, <laughs> which is kind of insane. Um, it's been going on for so long now, and it doesn't feel like it. Um, but yeah, like, what was the unique challenges you had to face? Or, like, the fact that the band, I guess, is all quite international. Did you have to face that many challenges that you wouldn't have had to face otherwise? Anyway? It was actually a little easier in terms of, like, we didn't have to meet up at the same time in the same place to record things. Or we didn't have to do certain mm. things. The only thing that was, like, ah, oh, this is a bummer is uh, the gestures at the world, the... <laughs> The lack of motivation just hit sometimes. You'd be like, oh, I'm writing this song about Riki Matsui. And then it's like, uh-huh, I'm writing this song about Riki Matsui. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that. For sure. So it's, for me, it was weird because, like I said, I joined as a lyricist thinking music isn't something I can write. So to have to reframe all of that, uh, like... A mentality of I can't write music in the context of the pandemic has been a fucking challenge because it's, <laughs> yeah it's been complicated and also like access to recording gear for me has been the worst part I think because um my dad is a professional mm, musician sure. 
So I thought, oh, well, <laughs> there we go. But uh, all his equipment broke. Right when we were recording <gasps> Significant Figure, so I couldn't go to his house to record it. So I had to like find someone who lived oh, no. near me, who had a mic. And I went there and I had like two hours to record. So I recorded uh, like two vocal tracks for actor, like basically two takes for actor, one um, ukulele track for satellite and then two vocal tracks. And that was that was it. I had like two shots at vocals for each song. Uh, and I was like <laughs> so nervous. And I, I feel like you can hear it so much <laughs> in my voice. And and then I had to like buy my own gear and stuff, which I also wanted to do because I was committing to to the band and to the fact that we were yeah you know still making music. But it was also just a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think aspects. the equipment thing was one of them because everyone's <laughs> trying to get mics now, and it's just hard yeah. to find a microphone unless you have some kind of connections. I mean, I. I I just ordered. I yeah, I'm not gonna mention the websites because they're not paying me. So why would I? But um, there's just like a big web like music website that's known in France that I could get stuff <laughs> from fairly easily. But the, I French was person. also always <laughs> there's French also person. the issue I'm pointing of like at delivery you. because like post offices are closed. So I was like, if it's a too big of a package and. I miss it. I don't know how I'm gonna get it. Like it, it was a lot. I'll say <laughs> yeah. one good thing though is that for yeah. me, time zones are a special right. kind of hell with uh, Americans and Australians and me, the European, being in the middle. So the pandemic has yes. made it possible for me to go to sleep very sure. late, very often. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I'm looking for silver linings, um, that's one. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, time zones are. Time zones are hard. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's really impressive to me that we have such huge, like, time zones and, like, such a big international, like, there's people from all across the world, like, working in this one same band to release music for Dimension 20. Like, it's super sweet how it's, like, brought us all together, I guess. Yeah. So sweet. Mm. And speaking on sweet uh, sweetness, <laughs> I think we can <laughs> tie it back to A Crown of Candy. So going way back, you actually mentioned uh, Sucrosi Road which is the fan album that you guys made based on A Crown of Candy. So I wanted to ask, what songs did you all work on for that album? I wrote Seed Guy, War Guy. I didn't, mm. pre- I didn't perform it. I just wrote it and made the demo for it. Mm. And Nor? Okay, I have a long list, so... Hell <laughs> okay. yeah. So... Uh, Angel Cake, Bitterness, I'm Still Here, and There Are No Crowns on Battlefields. Those were all me. Um, so I sung Under Sisters Rock. I helped uh, write uh, some bits of Black and Blue. Um, I sent the initial voice note that started Seed Guy, War Guy. And I think I participated in like the lyrics brainstorming for Taste Buds. I think yeah. that's what I did on the album. <laughs> That's eight out That's of so like cool. thirteen. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Well done. Um but the Amazing. the main four were Angel Cake Bitterness, I'm still here and there are no crowns. Mm. Angel Cake, Those my were... beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh, wasn't the Calvo song at, at all. Which yeah. I had written yeah. for ages before. Actually, the yeah, Calvary do you want to explain the origin story? Okay. Oh well, yeah, the origin story. Sucrosy Road for me was um just a bunch of rewritings (laughs) 
uh, Bitterness was originally a Le uh, a Pan song uh, when I was so certain that he would come back as a bitter chocolate spirit during the... <laughs> I wish he did. Uh, I really do. <laughs> during the fight against the Sugar Bump Fairy. Uh, there are no friends in battlefields. I had to rewrite the last chorus to match with like the sudden development in Avatar's character in the, in the epilogue. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and Angel Cake... I had written, I think, one or two episodes in about Caramelinda because at the time we all we thought were she big was... fans of the theory that she was actually a fructaran. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so she was an apple that was covering herself in caramel, like a candied apple, to pass uh, as a candian. My beloved. Yeah, and and so I was like, oh, that's such a cool concept. So I wrote a song about that called Pomme d'Amour, which means candied apple in French and literally translates to apple of love. And I liked the irony. Yeah. Uh, the idea that like oh she's pretending to be sugar and sweet but like there's a sour apple beneath yeah. and and then I quickly realized oh she's not evil <laughs> fuck me I guess um, yeah. and then the I Calroy mean... twist happened and I was like wait this is so perfect <laughs> because all, all my shit about like oh pretending to be someone else was literally like oh him being like Cerisian and pretending to be funny yeah Italian. that's how you know like, Brennan really it's worked so and that's why uh angel cake is so sexy it's because it was a caramelinda <laughs> song at first yeah I didn't mean- yeah I didn't it had the sexual it's sexy at first it's Cal- <laughs> calroy's feminine side oh my god I, like uh was it you sam who was <laughs> like on my ass for uh changing uh um, <laughs> yes. oh my god uh, you can hide poison in a kiss too. You can hide poison in a friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, look, oh I, you could have kept it in. Who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> I think you should, it's okay. We do talk about Kamatha in this episode with Squid and Sydney, so um, <laughs> we can in fact keep that one in. <laughs> I've abandoned Kamatha in every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll release uh pomme d'amour on my youtube channel but because truly i changed good. so little so i i it's, changed barely anything it's crazy how well it fit that is it's so much <laughs> it was insane. yeah i think it's literally amazing like obviously i came into a kind of candy when it was over but like hearing all the theories that everyone had when it was just starting and like still ongoing and how mm-hmm. many of them were actually right like the fandom is so smart sometimes <laughs> it really is a testament to how mm. good brennan is at writing that everyone expected calroy to de- betray them but oh, also didn't <laughs> like <laughs> no clue no clue everyone's like, like oh, oh, that. That. a traitor uh-huh that'd be funny and would make sense and then it actually happened and everyone was like oh no i'm gonna burst into tears now <laughs> i really did not see it coming at all yeah so I also wanted to ask, what about A Crown of Candy made it so fun to write songs? I mean, you guys are saying you were writing songs in the middle of the season. What made it, like, so interesting? Every song was a emotional hit. Every single one of the songs was, like, every character is so emotionally charged that mm. there's no room for like a cute little song like oh hey haha limon like no every single <laughs> song was a sledgehammer to the face and heart mm. for sure i remember yeah. sitting there for the premiere and just like hmm someone's crying somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah 
I know. I remember people kind of yelling at me for bitterness. <laughs> and I was very, very oh, happy. It was good. But, um, um, yes. I, I know that personally, like, I thrive when it comes to writing, uh, when I can find, like, an emotional moment that I want to expand on. Mm. Um, and the thing about A Crown of Candy is that the universe is so rich and the characters have such, like, like complex uh, emotional storylines. But because it's, you know, a two-hour D&D, show, uh, D&D actual play show with six PCs, you can't delve into those individuals, uh, individual emotional arcs. And so there's so much thing to, so much stuff to write about in here. Um, That's where that the fans think, come in, baby. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like especially with a crown of candy, where everything is so heightened because you have like danger of murder that's so present and feels so personal because it's like oh no we hate like these people specifically like it yeah. just feels very visceral and powerful so it's mm. very easy to kind of grasp that and make it into a song <laughs> yeah yeah i think because yeah i came on to do art for Sakosi road um which was very fun it was just sort of like yeah that was sort of the show that i enjoyed um you know d20 fandom in while it was airing so it was just it was super super cool and truly listening to like the demos or like what we had started and being able to draw for them was like so good i had these songs on repeat um, yeah. yeah, wow. I remember I listening to like the, the, the file that Max sent of taste buds for the first time and be like, wait, hold on, hello, yeah. can we stop this yeah. for a second? I can't keep up with this. Oh my god. So cool. So, <laughs> so cool. There are some, there's so many talented people. So many talented people. Truly. Um, yeah, jumping off of that, it feels like each album has been like such a huge step up from the previous one. Like, yeah, every album is just like getting better and better and better. Um, what do you? What are the kind of things you've learned from like doing all of this? Uh, I... A lot of things about, um, to be honest, copyright law. Mm. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yep, <laughs> knowledge that's required to be in the sig figs. Copyright law. Things about Naruto. Um, and Redemption. <laughs> um, you just have to know. You just have to have a. Oh, Latin. You need to know Latin. That's important. Mm. Okay, I'm here for that. So um, like, if you need Latin, hi. I studied Latin Nora, for seven years Latin because I'm insane and unwell. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoyed Latin like an insane yes, person. I also did Latin in high school for about six years. <laughs> I no, I kept going in university. <laughs> I kept going in university. You know, like oh, oh do my you want God. to do Latin? I was like, yes. Yeah, for oh sure. I only stopped this year because it didn't fit into my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you went back to the roots of your language. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It... Yeah, pretty much. We've also, <laughs> aside from like um, learning things like Latin and Naruto, we've also like upped our music production skills in general. Not only the original members, but also acquiring newer members that who have been able to teach us things for example sam jackson max like we we've just and also zach has learned a lot of things nor you've definitely with your how many tracks were on that audacity file again (laughs) um okay so walk with me had like 42 audio tracks because i'm unwell i i like to make my computer suffer i learned like 
I can't emphasize how much I didn't know shit about making music. <laughs> when yeah, I we. I, I, I went in there yes. with four chords and a short melody in the first album. And then in the most uh, recent album, you have songs like. Actually, no, I'll talk about Sakursi Road. In Sakursi Road, you have like that part in Taste Buds where it goes from the left ear to the right ear. And it's like your brain just explodes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I came into this project thinking I couldn't write music. <laughs> and I have my voice on fucking Spotify now. Hello. I saw one of my friends' Instagram story this afternoon had walk with me like as the sound on their Instagram story. Last year I was like, yeah, I can't write music. Huh? Hello. People can make Talk TikToks to our music now. People can I, make TikToks I'm with our music. Genuinely like so I learned an insane amount of stuff in a year. <laughs> like, whether it be, like, the gear that I have or just my knowledge about writing music and writing lyrics and finding goals. Like, fuck, I wrote a song on the guitar. Hello? I didn't know. How- <laughs> I-, I did that, like, this week for the first time. I'm, ah, I'm overwhelmed with how much I keep Wait, learning. you did? <laughs> Hold yeah, on. I sent a... I, I sent a demo. Oh, is it in, the okay? Uh, I won't. I won't say yeah. anything. I, yeah. yeah I okay. Like, I, I <laughs> wrote it on the guitar. Oh, also. Oh, wait. Can 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 I add one last thing about learning? <laughs> um. Yeah. There's another thing that um. I think the Sigfix has uh has taught me and is still teaching me to learn to work creatively with other people in a very healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> that I had never known before and I'm not getting sappy. I'm I've done enough sappy threads on Twitter. <laughs> I don't need to do another one on a podcast. But it's genuinely been so wonderful to like even know that when I have shortcomings and do irrational stuff because of insecurities or whatever, like I have people who have my back. Um it's been so so yeah. wonderful for that. So I have learned a lot as a as a human, as a human person. <laughs> yeah so something really interesting you guys said that you mentioned was that like your songs are on spotify right and so Mm -hmm. for the viewers at home who might not know you're all signed on under a label with four strike and are up on streaming platforms like spotify and you guys have merch and now you actually have the potential to start making money from fan content so i want to know how did you even get approached by fourth strike in the first place Zach, if you're out there, which you are, because I I talked to you yesterday, um, <laughs> we love you, and we are so thankful that you. Well, he he hooked us up with Fourth Strike. He was he, Zach is a original member of the Sig Figs. He's also a member of the Garages, which is Fourth Strike's other band, and uh, basically just when Fourth Strike was looking to get upper management and like turn into an actual label zach was like hey i'm in this other band that also makes fan content and we're pretty good here's our songs um consider science consider letting us join the label and they thought about it they got back to us they were like this is great you guys make really good music and now we're signed with a label yeah yeah it was like insane i (laughs) it was fully like a couple days of just insanity yeah, because when I I woke up at 7 a.m. 
right, one day, and I see a lot of notifications on the server, and I'm like, ooh, what's going on? And I see we're getting signed by a label, and I was like, wait, hold on, what? Yeah. I I was asleep, and suddenly, huh? And uh, right, right that day, my best friend was coming to visit me, and like we hadn't seen each other in a year because of the fucking pandemic and like every like hour or so i was like wait i have to check what's going on with the whole getting signed by your label stuff yeah it was, it was an insane day <laughs> and sure. yes thank you zach we love you so much <laughs> yeah it's cool that yeah exactly it's really cool that like fan music and doing these things in our free time ended up leading to actual like um, like a career path or like making money or like learning like picking up that experience to be able to do these things yeah and it just shows like really how important community is in every aspect but especially in fandom acts aspects because if you hadn't ever like reached out to sag for sick fix you wouldn't be here today or at least you would be yeah. here but you wouldn't be on spotify here today <laughs> i do think about that all the time where it's like if I had just not if I had decided not to make a post about it in the first place or if I hadn't mm. decided to reach out to this specific person like I wouldn't have the same friends today I wouldn't be having the same experiences that I'm having today really so uh, not to be inspirational but if you're thinking of doing a project literally if it's a fan project if it's a personal project do it do it yeah it will change and, your life. And likewise, from yeah. perspective, if you're thinking about getting in touch with someone who's doing a cool project and you think you could help out, send them a DM. Send them a fucking DM. Shoot <laughs> it your shot. It's very, very worth it. Shoot it's, your shot. Be professional, but shoot your shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly just... Yeah, like I know for sure um, having Rain on the project, who is an organizer for Full Strike, was super 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 amazing because um it's like a proper music producer so having having all these tracks come in and having them be able to be mastered and put into a proper album by someone who knows what it's doing it's so cool and yeah yeah, it was just really I've never worked on a like and I go to music school right like I am a music major and even then like I had never done something like this before like putting an album together like this in a such a professional manner was like whoa, it's wild to think that I'm getting so many connections from outside of music school. Like me doing just like a random fan project on the side ended up like (laughs) being the first time I got my music on Spotify instead of like actually going to music school. Um, It's really all about, yeah, exactly. Connections and like community, which is incredible. Same because um, (laughs) it's like my dad is a professional musician, has been for 15 years. Like that's his job. And he has like eight albums, I think. So I'm no stranger to like, the recording of albums and how that happens but because he does everything himself like the mastering the recording the like he basically does everything except putting the music on the physical cds um even like designing the like the album covers and stuff so you know in my head you know like finishing up an album was just like playing a song on every single um speaker that you have for three weeks like make sure that it sounds nice uh you know it's like being careful not to make noise when my dad's recording like that was what I knew of recording an album and and so to have like oh my god this person likes like doing mastering and we have a release date on the internet because my dad sucks at social media (laughs) you know it's it's like it's very like oh you know you come to the gigs and you buy the cd there 
Um, but so it's so different and wild and incredible <laughs> to see and yeah. to, to witness and to be a part of. It's uh, really cool. So good. Really cool. Uh, yes. And this is a little fun question. What uh, is your personal favorite Zigbig song? Okay, so I chose three because I one from each <laughs> album because I couldn't choose just a single one. So Satellite on Sigfit on Significant Figures, Chocolate on Sucrosy Road, and Wake Up on Stimulant. Yeah. They're good. I... They're good. <laughs> my my notes that I wrote myself for this question was Ah, can't choose. <laughs> um, but um it's just if I have to choose one, it's just the feeling i had when i first heard city lights yeah i mm. i discovered a new level of existence i think you're not even um, an american and now you understand what it means to no, be a, really, a new yorker it's like now you get it new yorker possesses me whenever when, i listen to city lights same when significant <laughs> figures when significant figures came out i had like each song i could explain like oh well this song is my favorite in this aspect and this song is my favorite in this aspect now we have too many songs for me to do that i don't know enough adjectives to to, to, to have like a favorite this and that for each song but uh i i love them all so much because you know getting so being so close to the making of these songs and seeing the care that has been put into them makes them makes it really hard to rank them but yeah, the experience that I had when I first heard City Lights with the Samsophone, with everything, was just uh, unmatched, unmatched. <laughs> Shout out to Sam for the saxophone. Oh, Sam, you did amazing. Sam, it does sound conceited, but City Lights is also, my, <laughs> I think, my favorite. Um, really? I can't listen, listen to a single song that I've worked like, on Jackson's- ever. Jackson's music production skills, his um, singing, his lyrics, all absolutely incredible. Like the chords and the progressions in that piece were like absolutely fantastic. And like, yeah, exactly. Listening to the demo for the, for the first time, like when he originally sent it into like song whips, I was like, I was like, I have to be on this. Like I have to record something for it. Cause it's so cool. And like, yeah. oh, it, it was really, it was really good. It and, is electric. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, and I can't not say Angel Cake. Angel Cake is a good song. <laughs> I am also putting in my song down as Angel Cake. <laughs> so <laughs> Sam, I, I remember it was you, right? Who had like who was looping it? Yeah, who was looping it on? Yeah, yeah. I listened to it like eighty oh. times on iTunes before it was before ever released. Before it even came out. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. Um, but i will say no crowns and battlefields does really get me as well like it's so good it's what i listen to actually while riding my d20 big bang a lot Mm. because it just sort of nailed like avatar's grief and yeah um, exactly like his whole arc in that one thing and i was like this is the kind of grief that i want to express in my fic yeah it was a good song for that it's i think of uh sucrosy road it's my favorite one that i made um Mm. just because a lot of things just worked really well and i was very happy with like most aspects of the song (laughs) Um, and how it sounded and the harmonies and the instruments like i like had a guitar and i i don't think i had any piano on it but i yeah like i i (laughs) i made a lot of effort (laughs) i can tell you guys Uh, my least favorite song which is love me for me can't listen to it i've never 
I have never listened. It's the first, for context, it's the first song I ever released on Sig- Significant Figures, the first album. I have never listened to it after we released it. Like, I have, every time the video comes up in my recommended or, like, in the shuffle, I just skip it because I literally cannot hear myself talk. I'm just like, no, that's not me. I'm me. And also, like, <laughs> embarrassment of having made something. But also, like, yeah, just everything about it i can't i can't look at it i uh, can't wait to make it better in our re-release oh re- retweet that sentiment i i have not really listened to actor <laughs> since the pre- <laughs> I, did i even did i mute it during the premiere you, you muted I, it you've never listened to it oh my God. yeah because i i'm sharp the entire song i feel like because I was nervous. <laughs> because there was like someone I wasn't super close to in the room with me because I was borrowing their microphone while I was recording it. Oh my it. god, yeah, that's that is pretty scary. That's so just... I'm I'm truly so excited about like re-recording uh all of my songs because now I have a better microphone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was wondering, like, I'm so excited for the re-releases to be on Spotify as oh, well. Yeah. Like when the moment when I get to add yeah. Angel Cake to my Cowboy playlist is literally going to be unparalleled. It's so true. I'm going to like, I'm gonna oh add Angel God. Cake to my Akechi playlist. When I add No Crowns and Battlefields to my um, to my Gethsemane playlist. Oh yeah. my God! <laughs> the fact that we can the fact that we can see like what playlist songs get added to is it's like, so there was, funny. I forgot so you there was that. one part. There was one for I can't see all of them for some reason. Like like the thing you just says like oh top twenty out of like yeah. however many playlists. It's like show right. show all of them. But like I there was one this. title for seed uh, for a sword guy that I <laughs> that I can't say I think because it's not safe for work. But I was laughing so fucking I'm gonna find hard it. Oh when God. I read it. It's it. I know it involved choking at some point. And oh my like, god! <laughs> and the thing too is that you can see the name of the person who made the play. <laughs> and it's oh, oh god, this person did not. It's realize. very fun. It is, however, very heartwarming. Well, I mean, it's like heartwarming and creepy at the same time. You come, you can see like the top cities where we are listened to, um, mm. and. And you could see the breakdown of it uh, per song. And it's just like, sometimes I see like a city in France and I know it's one of my friends. Sometimes <laughs> I just, see an Australian city and so I know sweet. it's Sam. <laughs> Please, there are more. There are so many Australian Sigfigs fans, I think. You admitted <laughs> to being like at least 13 of them <laughs> in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Only so at cute. least 13. Only at least 13. no i was just gonna say yeah it's like i see a very like specific town in a very specific region of france and i'm like oh my god that's my friend oh like oh that's (laughs) That's like lucy that's listening lucy won't hear this podcast but shout out lucy thank you for listening to nothing (laughs) (laughs) for having listened to nothing six times thank you so much oh my god (laughs) (laughs) all right so going on with that fun question we also have a universal question that we're just asking all of our guests so, what is your favorite piece of fan work or fan lore that the fandom has come up with? The one I wrote, I, the one I decided on was, um, I love how there was this period of time that includes now, um, <laughs> where people think that Kalmathar is, like, such a 
popular ship when really it's just like a couple people driving it forward and i think i i want to say to those people like good job you really made the fandom think this is a popular ship and i think it's deserved i agree so true um, I love yes. that. I that saying that like it's not to... Sam specifically. <laughs> 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 Look, it's so funny to me whenever people go into a crown of candy thinking that it's canon. Yeah, <laughs> but thinking that sort of religion is canon. It's, it's not it's... not canon. <laughs> Twenty years, Sam. 20 a lot happens in war. Um, <laughs> a lot happens, which I think is it's so funny to me. Um. It's not even, not even in my opinion, queer bait. Like, it's not even like, yeah, queer it's not. It's just like we went insane. It's not yes. even that. It's the opposite <laughs> of queer bait. It's li- yeah. <laughs> it's like he was like Brennan was like, oh yeah, they're friends, and then you were like, hmm, you guys queer washed them. Here we're just gonna. There's not even a string here. We're gonna jump up off of in, out of the ocean and like into your basket where you keep the fish. <laughs> Elmer fully has a wife. Every time I remember, he has a fucking wife. <laughs> it's literally it's so is like, these funny. I just friends. Even I, Lou was sort of like um, going hard for the friendship, and even Brennan was pulling back. And I think it's that it's so funny <laughs> that we were just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do all the queer mating work for you, <laughs> Brennan. <Rums. laughs> yeah, he was oh, working no. up not to make the villain. Any of the villains yeah. gave her did, and then we were like, "But, <laughs> but what if they were?" But actually, though? speaking of gay coded villains, uh, my <laughs> my favorite piece of fan work or like fan stuff in general. So first of all, I want to shout out all the animations or like an anime anima- AMVs. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Yeah, thank you so much. That have been made because they're all so cool. Um, but, uh, specifically, I feel like D's art, uh, like cray crayfish coffee on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, their uh, sweet religion art, so Satrina and Elizabeth, hits so fucking hard every time. Every Jesus time. Christ. It's just like, I, I think their uh, sweet religion art is like my, my favorite uh, <laughs> that I've seen because it's so good. It's always so good. And it's just, ah, yeah, it's every time I see it, I'm like, exactly, another banger. <laughs> what else is there to say? Exactly. 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 <laughs> Exactly. I think about it so often because it's it's so good, such a good song. Oh my god, I yeah. the crayfish coffee icon. Literally, um, yes. The insider info is that we're having them on to talk about sweet religion. Yes, <gasps> yeah! so... so true. <laughs> oh my god, deserve yeah. as it should be. Oh. Um, I think yes, I've so said this in like multiple one. sessions, but it's yes. literally so sweet when like we say that question, oh, what's your favorite fan work? And someone says a guest and like what yeah, they're so there it, for. It's literally like, just like, everyone oh saying God, each other. <laughs> Something about a crown of candy. It, it's so funny to me that I like worked on so many songs and that like a crown of candy is just my favorite season. <laughs> I think actually. I think it contributed because it's like there are more things that 
not I wouldn't say disappointed me, but that I wanted to see in a crowd of candy. Yeah, you would, uh, yeah. And so that like fueled me to want to write about like emotional depth that I I felt like I wasn't getting, and that I right? feel like maybe I'm I'm getting more in other seasons. So I think actually maybe it's a good thing that a crowd of candy like isn't like in my favorites because mm. it's what allowed me to write so many fucking songs. And so, to yeah, help we with talked about others. it. Yeah, in the podcast where it's like, because A Crown of Candy had these flaws or had these like gaps almost in its story, it's like, that's what made us go so batshit insane. <laughs> yeah, it was so easy to fill in stuff. Mm. It was like, Brennan yeah. made us a Mad Lib and we went, went mad, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mad on the lib. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a funny question. Um, sort of, yeah, proposed also by the Secret Clovers. We were going to ask, if you could make a celebrity into a food person in a crown of candy, what type of food would they be? Okay, so I actually did think about this. Um, Lil Nas X is a pink starburst. Be- specifically when, you know that one outfit he had where he's like a cowboy in like the pink Yes. Yeah, that was the exact yeah. outfit in my brain when you said that. You said pink starburst, and I was like, oh my god, just like that outfit he had. Yeah. Yes. He's that a Candian, 100%, just because yeah. the Candians aren't the best ones. Well. So I true. Think, yeah, very much got that vibe. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing so hard because, okay. Like, my life, like, the media I've consumed recently is, like, British TV game shows and The Winx Club, like, the original animated show. So the only answer that's popping into my head is Brennan as a communion wife, which I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's what someone else said. (laughs) Oh, my only thought in my head is the only thought in my head. You know what? It actually kind of fits. Or did we assign this to him? I don't remember. It is. I think. Maybe oh did he say that? It sounds like something he would say. Because I think it does work. I, it's, I truly don't know if he said it or if someone else did. God. But it's the only celebrity I can think of that is a, Brennan is a communion British wafer. comedian. <sighs> I guess I'm, if I have I to say a British comedian, I'll just say James Acaster should be a cabbage just because he fucking hates them so much. I guess. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's a deep fucking poll to make from a crowd of candy. <laughs> so true. Uh, mine was Hosey is definitely oh a vegetarian god. because of the religious. 100% he is a vegetarian. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Yes, and I think it, yeah, I don't know. I just, it was good. It's good. I listen to Hosey a lot for a crowd of candy. He feels kind of like a potato. It's just all about the religious life. Oh my god. Is that because I think... he's Irish, Mahal? Well... No, it's not about him being Irish. <laughs> it's about, oh like. Oh my god, Mahal. You no, can't just I'm not no. out potatoes because they're Irish. I didn't even know he was Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I was thinking more like, because. Because, like, Hosea makes a lot of songs that feel very, like, secret cottage in the woods. And I feel like people who live in secret cottages in the woods eat a lot of stews. They eat a lot of mashed potatoes. They eat a lot of, like, just potatoes in general. I was thinking he was definitely, like, a green vegetable. 
Yeah, I think I, he gives off some green vegetable vibes. Maybe like a, yeah. I think he would be a leafy I, green, like spinach. Mm. I think it's because Ooh, I think it's because you yes. want to translate his hair into like a vegetable component. Exactly. Oh, actually, that yes. would be really cool. It's his hair. I was thinking. That, I do agree. Like maybe he's like an underground. Like, like a root, like, like a, a, yeah. like a uh, understand that part of the like a, it, <laughs> like a deep root, like a root that's deep underground. <laughs> oh my god, no, god, no stop! We're not talking about no, carrot right. right now. I okay. forgot Carradine was a carrot. Oh my god, I've been trying to write a no. Carradine song for like almost for it's so fucking long. Though. I think it could be like a radish. Uh, oh, radish yeah? is good. Yeah, they got those. Yeah, really yeah, definitely. Too. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> my my input is I think Marina from famed band Marina and the Diamonds would yes. be uh, a Cerisian specifically. I think she would be a lasagna noodle person. Really? I think I yeah. Like, it's like a candy. I was thinking like really. A That's. Yeah. If I was oh, under the because false of impression like that Marina was yeah. Latino, which when I was in middle school, I did in fact think she was, I did used to think that Marina was Latina and was very sad when I found out that was wrong. I yeah, wouldn't change her chance. She's uh, Greek, I think. Yeah, she's Greek. Yeah, she is. Greek and Welsh. Wow. Yeah. You know what? To keep myself accountable and to make myself do it, one day I'll write a Keridan song. I I have said that I would do it for months and I still haven't. One day. I'll, I have like a beginning of a verse of something. I'll finish it. I will finish this fucking Keridan song if it kills me. Yeah, and I will I, bet I will do it, that you won't because <laughs> I will do everything in my power to stop oh you from God. doing this. The lack of belief, the lack of faith, gasp, betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> the antithesis of Keridan, one might say. <laughs> All right. So once again, I just really want to say thank you so much for calling in and having this super not pre-recorded interview with us. Where can our listeners find you? Okay, so okay, you can so find me at you can find me uh, at Mix Mahal, uh, which is Mix Mahal, which is M A on Twitter and Range M A H A L on Twitter and Range Spell Attack on Tumblr on Instagram, like the word ocean and the word knives, um, and also ocean knives on Twitter, but the O of ocean is a zero because ocean knives was already taken. You can find the Sig Fix Collective at sigfigscollective.com. That's S-I-G-F-I-G-S and then collective.com. And Sig Fix Collect on Twitter. We yeah. collect your love and appreciation. <laughs> That's what we do. Yes. And we also have a new album out, Vox's Stimulant, if you haven't listened to it yet. In which, what are you doing? Go listen to it right now on Spotify. Um, and Side B is coming out for that, Vox's Somnolent. Um, very, very soon. soon. <laughs> How? And stay tuned. Um, yes, thank you both so much for guesting. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. This was you. so fun. <laughs> are you um, kidding yeah, me? We... This is my first time on a podcast i'm so i i'm so hyped. should i when okay you should hang up now no, you hang you up hang up. no you hang up no i can't do it oh. <laughs>
it was like, oh my god. Okay, okay I'll hang um, up. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> so in the five seconds after the sig figs have hung up, we have new information. <laughs> Breaking news, everybody. Vox's Somnolent will be coming out May 14th. So mark your calendars now. Hell yeah. So excited. I mean, okay, you have the time are we for that talking stuff. about it's a one-on-one? On one? Um, like, are we talking about a one-on-one? Because if we are, then there's, like, literally no one else to distract. So it's just you, right? Um, That's um, fair. It just depends. Because if it's, like, nations and stuff, like, you know, I think Safria could win just by, like, straight up raising an army against her siblings. Uh, and her uh, allies. We, can, we but, can agree that in, hello? like, if they were to... Act- <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> so, Sam, <laughs> we have a question for you. Hey, <laughs> So, which rock sister do you think would win in a fight? Who, or which one do you think is the most powerful? Oh, I do think Lazuli. I think thematic- thematically, I have to go with Rococo. Just yeah. like not based on like D and D campaigns. Like me as a English major, so I just... have to go with Rococo. Yeah, but who are we talking to right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> Oh, hi. <laughs> what is this? What is happening? Uh, <laughs> Can we do this as a bit? Is that yeah, what? we're keeping this as a bit, I think. Hi, I'm Faison. I use he him pronouns. <laughs> hi, I'm Erin. I also go by Ren. I use they, them pronouns. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> so wonderful. So wonderful. So we so- are very big fans. Yeah, it's so nice to hear that. you call in. <laughs> we, forgot, we forgot the call was going through. So what what fan works have you done that you'd like to discuss? Well, Erin, would you like to go first? <laughs> I mean, we both kind of like have created things of like a similar, because um, we both, both are kind of working on. Yeah. yeah. Basically, just kind of reimagining Crown of Candy as a slightly different story, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So what? What then? I guess is different between a kind of candy and your rewrites. Well, mine the it's the answer to the question that no one asked, which is that um, <laughs> what would a kind of candy look like if George R. R. Martin wrote it as a book? And George R. R. Martin, for those who don't know, is the writer of the series A Song of Ice and Fire, which is what Game of Thrones is based on, which is what A Crown of Candy is kind of sort of based on-ish. Um, and so just seeing how it would work like from like a, like a book standpoint and through the way that he writes it, which is A Song of Ice and Fire is written in perspective chapters and things like that, mm-hmm. and what like the main differences would be in the story versus how A Crown of Candy was done. Yeah, that's really cool because uh, yeah. exactly like a crown of candy is vaguely based off of it, but it's still a lot lighter in tone and it doesn't have perspectives because right. it's in D&D. Yeah, I definitely think one of the uh, kind of points of a crown of candy that I, I wish we got to explore more of was like the perspective of NPCs. And I get why we didn't get that, obviously, because <laughs> D&D is all about PCs. So it's definitely, I love any like medium or fake or even fan art that focuses on NPCs because it is like, oh, a little glimpse on what we didn't get. 
Yeah. It's interesting, I think, because uh, the A Crown of Candy goes the same way that the show Game of Thrones went and kind of falls back from where the book went. Like, Game of Thrones, the show, had ran into the same problems as a, crown, as a Crown of Candy, where, like, you have the main characters that you've been with for so long, and you don't, like, they try to expand the story. Like, around, like, book three, he kind of, like, a few of the main characters die, and then he spreads out to, like, smaller nations on the side. You get all these, like, minor perspectives that we only got mentioned a little bit. Mm. Um, and the story just keeps getting more and more sprawling. And he has not finished the book series yet because I think he is kind of lost on how to wrap up this gigantic, ever-growing, ser- like, thing that he's made. Whereas the show, they tried at those little subplots and stuff and they kind of failed. And then they dropped all those minor subplots and they made it back to Starks versus Lannisters plus Daenerys Targaryen. And then A Crown of Candy does a similar thing where halfway through, they kind of, it looks like it's going to grow. And instead the story, not in a bad way, I like the back half of the show. It kind of shrinks back down to the rocks Mm. versus the bad guys plus Saccharina. Yeah. In a way that I don't think Mm -hmm. that the books were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And so... Yeah, that's and that's essentially what the rewrite is about, is seeing if they had gone the direction that the books are going, how the story would expand in that way. I love the idea of a Crown of Candy book series. I really do. So <laughs> yeah, I would buy um, every version, including the foreign language versions with different covers. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Erin? What's your rewrite? Um, so I think my rewrite actually started while the series was still airing because from what I actually remember the uh, initial prompt that led me to start kind of writing it up was what if Jet and Ruby were actually Lazuli and Karen Melinda's children and then I kept it in a google doc for three months and didn't touch it and now here we are and the google doc is so long save me (laughs) um so basically at this point I ended up changing basically everything which is very funny I think um (laughs) I remember like back when I was in college, I had this ongoing bit with my friends that I was going to write an academic paper about how fan fiction is like commedia dell'art and Mm. how it was going to upset every single English major that I knew. (laughs) Um, But I think if you approach it in that sort of in that sort of perspective and look at it in terms of like the Crown of Candy characters are these different specific character types and they have these specific arcs throughout their story then it's fun to kind of rearrange them and see what they would do in different situations which i've just done all in one story Mm. um which is a good time i'm enjoying it yeah Uh, that's so cool yeah it does mean that i cannot go back to canon for anything it's very fun (laughs) 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 like my my initial plot point is completely different from crown of candy already so i was like well i have given up (laughs) Staying true to canon. It's, it's <laughs> this is your domain now. It, it, it at this point, <laughs> I think um, I texted Squid out of nowhere literally a couple days ago because I was thinking about the rewrite again, and I was like, Squid, can I po- can I poke your brain about this thing I want to add into the rewrite? And they were like, by all means. And I said, so what if I make Manta Ray, Jack, and Catherine Gee siblings? Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> That is yeah. really interesting. Because <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to solve a couple distinct problems, and then that ends up being my proposed solution. And I was like, I need someone to tell me I'm not insane. Squid. <laughs> like, squid is um, the perfect but yeah. for sanity. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Squid is the perfect combination of encouraging and also recognizes insanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love them. Um, okay, so I guess for those viewers at home, I don't know why I always say viewers. This is a podcast. This is an audio <laughs> format. I guess for those listeners at home who maybe have never really are had experience with rewrites, why are you rewriting in the first place? What about a crown of candy to you calls for a rewrite in the way that other seasons don't? I guess the main thing for me is that I was kind of really underwhelmed by a crown of candy by the end of it, which is a fun way to put it, uh, especially because I am fully rewriting and thinking about it. But um, based on a lot of the like non-crown of candy itself content we got, and so in terms of, like the Instagram lives and adventuring parties, we got an insight into this very well-developed world that then just was like not touched on. Um, and I think in some small part, I was not that I was dissatisfied with the season. I thought it was like a fun season. I'm sure if I wasn't watching it live, I would have been satisfied and moved on with my life. Um, but it was one of those things where I was like. I feel like I want to try and write something that could encompass the entire scope of what the season might have been if they had been able to sit down and think through a story and write one out as opposed to try and improv off of all these crazy ideas that Brennan seemed to just keep throwing at the cast. And after a while, they were like, we have too much. We can't pick this one up, bro. Mm. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, in a more concise manner, it's more like a tribute to the... Uh, Calorum that Brennan wrote and trying to write something that could be in the scope of that world that he was trying to develop yeah. and was not able to in that short season. Right. Mm, yeah, that's super cool. I try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do. No, that's super <laughs> interesting to think about. Yeah. I am a fan yeah. of like taking worlds and just putting in whatever you want. <laughs> Your turn, Faisan. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I mean... Partially, it's a lot. I do agree with a lot of the things that Aaron said. Um, I did like the back half and where it went in the end, just because I I like like the, the family drama kind mm. of thing that they sort of leaned okay. into. Um, but one, I think I really like looking at a crown of candy as an an adaptation and as like an evolution of that story. Mm. Like if you look at a lot of the themes that they go into in. A Song of Ice and Fire in a Game of Thrones. Brennan, I think, kind of evolves on them and sort of ha takes gives a different take on them. But then also, it's like, like you said, like the world is so big and so massive and seeing the different ways the season could go. Like this is the season more than any other that's so based on dice. Like the mm. fact that in like Safe Harbor, the fact that Ruby uh, gets out and Jet doesn't is purely because one guy happened to miss her even when he had advantage on that dice so she only got hit with one dagger instead of two like that was everything is so based on luck there's so many possibilities and variations on how this story could have gone depending on what was rolled and it's so interesting to sort of look at how a minor thing might have affected a major thing in the story yeah. like in the rewrite that i'm doing mm -hmm. liam dies in the cathedral fight and so what that means in the long run is that he's not there when the Jet and Ruby thing happens. And so Ruby leaves Jet all by herself and there's no one there to take her body. So mm. the Cerisians get her body instead. That's and then what that up. also means, because Liam isn't there, there's nobody to cast Pass Without Trace on Theobald. And because of his heavy armor, he gets stuck. And he, he's, he's not stealthy enough to make it out of the castle so in time. True. And so oh. he doesn't escape there. He tries to sacrifice himself and... 
things just sort of get rearranged in different ways just because of little changes. Mm. Liam not being there means that Theobald doesn't make it through that that section. There's no way for him to like get to the boats without racking up so much like noise that everyone hears him. And so you like all these little things have such massive consequences later. Plus, so like you said, the NPCs thing that we can't we can't really focus on NPCs too much. We have to stick with the party. And like one of the big changes I think I made is that Ruby like leaves as soon as she can and goes on like a solo revenge quest because I think that's what Siobhan probably would have done if it wasn't that it would mess with the story if Ruby just left after meeting Sakarina because then mm-hmm. she'd be sequestered from the group and you can't do that in RPG. And the whole thing with A Song of Ice and Fire is that the stories spread out and separate in a way that you can't really do. And I just think it's interesting to sort of look into those possibilities and a source of meet in like a writing way where you don't have to be stuck in a group together. So true. Yes. Thank you for my Theo dies in episode 10 rights. I really do think he should. Like he should have. It's just like, it would so brutal. Love Theo. If he had like just, made a final I was just watching how scandalized Emil got. <laughs> it was it very been so good. Truly. No, I'm yeah. debating Theo might survive, but the others won't see him for a very long time if that's he does, true. just because that's mm-hmm. how it goes. Because I was thinking that would be a good place to bring Murdo Briar in is Theo makes his last stand, the rocks, he sees them going off in the boat and he thinks everything's going to dark as the arrows fill him. And then something comes out of the dark tiny and like rips two regions apart with like Evard's black gummy so worms true. as a spell. And like, oh like just like a way to like, insert the drama and see how those stories plan out as yeah. things kind of go along it's so funny i don't know how this happened but murdo you know, Breyer is now one just, of my favorite secondary pieces everything matters and everything <laughs> changes everything else i love murdo Breyer for no reason yeah <laughs> i just I think, think he's fun and funky guy. just yeah, like the backup guy. pcs i guess are also like really interesting characters that we don't get to mm-hmm. see on screen and with I your think I, I ended up in making the backup PCs pretty major characters immediately in my rewrite mm. only because I found them fascinating and I found their interactions fascinating and like yeah. I guess like as an example of that I'm just trying to pull from things that I've already written out and not just are in my google doc um <laughs> in part of my like reconfiguration of everything um introducing Amanda Mayart early um, I was able mm. to put Liam as their squire mm. as opposed to as mm. the the Rox's ward, which right. uh, is an interesting thing because that one gives him like a really solid person to be able to check back in and be like, hey, is everything good? <laughs> Am I doing good? Please, please give me affirmation and words of advice. Mm. And that their their jobs that would be like, yeah, you did great, Liam. You're, you're doing great. <laughs> That's so cool. And it would be so cute. I I just I just like the thought because I think the way that I set it up um, was that um, Theo is Amathar's guard, Ma- Sir, uh, Sir Mayard is Carmelinda's guard, and. So Mayard is training Liam to become Jet slash Ruby's guard mm. when they inevitably take oh. the throne. Um, so it's kind of like this succession, but within like not even the royal family, but who they're surrounded with mm. also has that kind That's of idea of succession. So cool. 
And it's a fun thing to think about. And I also, I, I think I replaced Swifty with Myrtle Breyer in so Sacharina's Entourage. Not because good of you. No, here's the thing. Not because yeah. I hate Swifty, but because I was like, I'm about to write a bunch of serious scenes and I cannot have this like fucking squeaky voiced <laughs> gingerbread man yelling about divorce. And I don't know how Absolutely else to write not. him. Oh my God. <laughs> so I haven't maybe written Sacharina's parts yet, but he is not involved. <laughs> I might have him be like a one-off comedic relief thing later, but I I just was like I no shoe <laughs> cannot. Yeah. It's it's interesting you say that about bringing in the backup PCs early because that's another thing within the show that like they had to come later and they couldn't technically yeah. be one hundred percent in the world until they do show up because if you hint at them and they don't show up, it's like a loose thread. Mm-hmm. So. The ability to, like, I have Amanda and Saccharina showing up from the very beginning. They're some of the earliest chapters because they're going to be in the story later. And so being able to sort of foreshadow them and have them be parts of the story from the start is something that the actual game you don't get to do there. And so it gives them more time to develop as characters. Yeah, I think Saccharina's fully my first, like, plot-driven character introduced into my story which is a fun right. thing to bring in because she was a plot-driven character in Crown of Candy, but she was kind of late enough that it didn't directly drive the plot, right? Like, she mm-hmm. gave them an additional reason, but they were still going to go off and do whatever they wanted to without her, really. Mm. Um, no, that's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, like, huge undertaking for both of you. Like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for both. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry how late it's going to come out. <laughs> Oh no! I, I haven't we touched will, mine in months. We will like, fully updated it in months. No, I've been reading. It's so upsetting. <laughs> so good. All so two good. chapters of it, baby. <laughs> I have same, good. same. It's, so it's just like I have a full biochem program. Also. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Being in uni, like all of my professors say, oh, academia is like a decade behind. Your rewrites are gonna be like five seasons behind. <laughs> but I love that. <laughs> No, I'm actually I really do hope you yeah. Oh my god, because I'd be so keen on reading it. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um yes. Um so what are like yeah, some of the difficulties you've had along the way while rewriting it? Because it's such a huge thing to do and also based off like an existing um existing media. And so what problems have you had with adapting it? So I can say right off the bat, the one of the big issues for me is that, like I said, I'm making it like George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series as it gets bigger and more mm. sprawling. He hasn't finished it yet. I don't think he's ever going to finish it. There are two full books left in this series that are not coming out anytime soon. So conversely, I don't have an ending yet. I have a lot of really interesting, like, plot lines that are separate and the way to like I know how they're going to interact with each other but knowing how you know it might end is more complicated because he doesn't really have an ending either Mm. I have a lot of I have some solid ideas for it but it is it is a complicated thing to sort of expand the scope and then somehow shrink it down again to make a satisfying conclusion Mm. yeah and I guess it's hard as well like because you are also writing that with that author in mind, with the specific author in mind, and like how he would yeah. end the series, which is like an interesting, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, an extra layer of like uh, staying true to both characterization and just 
writing style in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also, also like the perspective thing, which I absolutely adore writing in like perspectives like that and like getting into different characters' heads. But like the thing with that is also the mm. sometimes the problem comes along like for the first half of the series, all the characters are experiencing things at the same time in a group. And so you have to choose, oh, the cathedral fight. Who do I want that perspective to be so I can make sure that I get the whole scope of everything mm. happening in there? But also focusing on one character otherwise i have to do weird time stuff where like i rewind and then do it from a different person's <laughs> point of view or something and so you have to choose who sees what and when yeah. and if you have a scene that none of your perspective characters yeah. can see then it doesn't get shown at all mm -hmm. which is a problem he has in a song of ice and fire like you don't learn about sir loris and sir renly um having being together and having a relationship because none of the pov characters see that so it's just not there in the books in the way that they're allowed to do in the show mm -hmm. true yeah i guess because when you're filming a show it's like audience perspective as opposed to having to be yeah. in a character's specific yeah. perspective in a book um just as a note as like a note which i just think is funny is whenever you say because I pronounce cathedral differently, so every time you say cathedral, Faison, I hear oh. I hear cabbage roll, and I have to take five seconds to I'm sitting here like, what is he referring to? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought that was a thing. I might be completely wrong. I have to say, I think it's because I heard it in like a song as cathedral once, and like that stuck. But I think cathedral is correct. I don't know which it is. I just, I just think it's really funny, and I wanted to point it out. I'm not trying to correct your English. I just want to say that's what's on my brain. Um, <laughs> I think for me, the most, the difficult, the most difficult part of it is that at least for Crown of Candy, for me, um, I, I will come out and say it. It's not my favorite season of the entirety of Adventure Twenty. I'd probably give that to the Unsleeping City because it fully made me sob for the last entire two episodes, um, but. A Crown of Candy has this uh, ineffable quality of having the most, like, hard-hitting plot points where, like, we can we can all refer to things like episode six, episode nine. We just know what happens in it. You just know exactly yeah. what people are referring to when they're saying, oh, episode nine. Like, you yeah. know, what's going, we know what's going on. Unless you haven't watched it, in which case, why are you here? Yeah. Um, but because of that, I have been doing a very different style of writing than I usually do, which is deciding what those really big plot points are um, and which characters are involved with them, mm. which leaves me to now be completely lost as to having satisfying bridges between them for a lot of them. Mm. So like uh, even leading up to like my version of the cowboy betrayal is difficult because I know all these different bits that I want to put into there, but I don't know how mm. to... Uh, show the audience what's happening without outright saying it and including that. Right. I think a lot of those subtleties are also kind of missing. Um, I guess another part is that when you recharacterize a lot of characters that are part of a pre-existing media source, people expect the pre-existing canon version of them. Um, I think the mm. biggest example that I can give that's mm. like more tangible than a lot of the others is um, I decided... I think after writing the first chapter that I was like, I think that the jet in my rewrite is a trans girl, um, which then led me to DMing mm -hmm. a, like a couple different friends and being like, hey, I want to write this correctly now. How do I do this without 
I, one being shitty about it and like having I don't know like some a, another mm-hmm. person a different perspective like come across maybe like an old family portrait where um that that was like before she came out let's say in air quotes um and how do I also not just straight up have to tell the audience that and make it sound organic because mm. that's not the jet that is in canon anymore. Um, so I guess those are the two things that I've been struggling most with, which is why I've been face deep in my Google Doc as opposed to writing these chapters like I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I continue to struggle. It's nothing. Um, so I guess those are the two that mm. I can pinpoint as the most salient, like I'm having trouble here and here. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's super interesting hearing about your adaptations from canon and how that's, like, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, and it's I also think, It's tricky like, and it's also, it is yeah. fun, too. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Also, I think, like, struggling is mm. a part of the writing process, and struggling means you've hit a point where you want to make it feel good, make the writing, like, be good for the reader and that just shows your passion right. for it so like honestly just like sam said i'm gonna be so excited when these things come out <laughs> whenever they come out if we're 80 and Faison <laughs> comes out it is right I'll, I'll i will <laughs> yeah for sure i'm gonna be in a nursing i've already made this tweet but i'm gonna be in a nursing home and someone's gonna mention Calroy, and i'm gonna be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I haven't heard that name in 80 years. <laughs> it's been yeah. 20 years since I've heard that name. Is that true? <laughs> um, I, I think we've touched on it a little briefly, but I think something that a lot of people would think about rewriting is like, oh, how often do you go back to canon? So I'll ask that. Do you end up like rewatching or even like Wikipedia sourcing a lot of like the canon material. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Like, I I rewatch a lot of scenes from A Crown of Candy a lot, just outside of this, and then I tend to w- use the Wikipedia a lot just for like the minor details of like the background of the world a lot. Like Brennan gave he didn't give his whole lore doc, but he gave a bunch of stuff about like the Ravening War and how it started and stuff like that, and so. That kind of stuff I check and I source a lot. The show, I, I, I like I said, I rewatch it a whole bunch, like or specific scenes from it a lot and things and moments. And I feel like that tends to help me just because it shows me like what I wanted to see more of and how mm. things are going to be different from what I'm writing and how things are going to stay the same, what themes each character is going through. Like Ruby's whole back half of the story is so great to me because it's very much, it's the Arya Stark story of people have hurt me and my family and killed people that I love and I'm just going to lose myself to the violence right now. I'm going to, like, that's what's happening to her over the story. And seeing how, like, why she doesn't, like, it's a hopeful ending, but why does she go down that path and choose to forgive instead of to, like, continue down her path, that's like, the violent path. Like, why does she do that in canon? And why is she not going to do that in my story? So true. Um, and stuff like that. And so it's like, 
in canon, she has Amethar and Caramelinda, and she has even Cumulus, that conversation she has with him on the boat and everything. She has all these other sources to give her different perspectives and things like that, and she has Liam to tell her Jet's last words and how Jet forgave her. And Liam's not there to tell her that Jet forgave her. She just mm-hmm. ran away, and that's all she knows, so and stuff like that. And so seeing how that works and how that will affect her and her journey is something that like I I want to see how Siobhan played that and how she explored that story and how I might do that differently. Mm, yeah. Um, um I am probably on the other end of the scale to that, which is pretty funny. I don't rewatch <laughs> any of the D20 seasons. I think I tried to rewatch The Unsleeping City once and I just zoned out of like three episodes and it was like I could be doing something else with my time right now. <laughs> um <laughs> So I, the only time that I've ever actually seen Crown Crown of Candy, like an episode in full was when it was airing live. Um, Otherwise it's been like the snippets that people post on Twitter sometimes. And um, when I really need to fact check something, I'll usually go back through the transcripts um, Mm. and kind of like just control. The transcripts are so helpful. I love the transcripts and control F shout out to Una for the transcripts. Um, Yeah. And but I've like I also have heard of like people who like will read the transcripts and I I don't do that. Um, <laughs> so it's probably led to a couple of sort of like not even out of character moments, but just slightly off moments in terms of what I'm writing. But I'm a little bit less concerned about that because I have changed enough that I'm like I, I can explain it. Um, I think that's so. really interesting, honestly, because I feel like it's so much, it feels like it's so much more your story and what you want to talk about because you're mm-hmm. not going back to canon so much. Like, I've, it's, I've added so much that just straight up is never even hinted at. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, let me, okay, I found um, a, like a detail that I added in was that I wanted to give Uh, I think Theo, like, a family that he either lost contact with or who died in the first war. Mm. No reason for that, besides I have an idea for tying into something else. Um, But, like, (laughs) that's never been mentioned once. (laughs) No, I love that. I'm absolutely obsessed with character details that are not founded in canon at all. That people are just like, (laughs) oh, he just gives off the vibes. I love that. (laughs) That that does raise an interesting question in canon, honestly, just because... This this season is so focused on like family and stuff, and like the, it's the rocks and everything. We don't see anyone important to Theo outside of like I guess Sir Toby and then the rocks family. Mm. And like if you're if you have Theo as a person whose perspective you're looking into and seeing into his mind and his choices and why he's doing what he's doing, it'd be interesting to see like any other relationships that he might have in his life. Maybe he's an orphan. <laughs> That's a, that's a good suggestion, but just maybe he's an orphan. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, no, that's really really cool, and I think it's definitely like, yeah, I like that you guys are on different different sides of the spectrum of like how often you refer to canon and how much canon I guess is important to the rewrite, which I guess is a funny question to ask when you are like rewriting canon, but like, yeah, it's very very cool. Um, yes, so we have one. Final question that we're sort of asking everyone who comes on board. Um, but what's your favorite fan work that was made by another creator, not you? Okay, absolutely Sam's thick <laughs> about the time loop. Get I can't pronounce it. Get Semine? Get Semini, I think. 
That's Gethsemane. not what I would guess. Gethsemane God bless. is incredible. Everyone, check so it out. True. It's Thank so you. good. It's genuinely. It's like uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, okay, that's not a lie. I do cry a lot. Like I have like, that, it open that in my Google fucking... Chrome window right now. So read Gethsemane and then go to Sam's Twitter and read her director's cut of Gethsemane. Yes, I. I only liked a bunch of stuff. I didn't comment on it, but that thread about it afterwards is so good too. Thank you. It's the most oh effort I've spent on like literally anything. Like forty one k word is insane. <laughs> the most the most I've written beforehand was like thirteen k. Um, so that was just absolutely insane. Sitting in just... my room weeping. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that deep in my. Core. Thank you. Yes, for our um, for our audience, it's like um, a Groundhog Day AU of episode nine, where Amathar, like after he gets pushed off the parapets, he wakes up again that morning on the ship. So yes, very. It was it's, yeah, a it's huge so undertaking. Good. Very and good. I'm, yeah, so glad people <laughs> like it. <laughs> it flows so well too. I feel like there's a lot of like time travel slash time fuckery fix where that it just doesn't work just because like yeah. certain things seem disjointed, a little out of place, and the details don't work. Mm-hmm. But like that fic does it really well in terms of kind of flowing one into the next cycle. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, like, you can I feel like the, the passage of time within it. Yeah, I like this because, like, like you said, you were t- talking in the, in the thread about how, like, Russian Doll being, um, uh, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? A reference, I guess, a maybe. Yeah, influence. There we go. Uh, for the thing, just because of how the loops work and what they signify, and it's not like a scientific thing. It's so much more an emotional thing. And I don't want to spoil anything because I feel like the fic itself speaks for itself on what you what you're saying about it but i just like Mm -hmm. i love how you did the loops and how what they signify and everything it's really great yeah it was definitely like the big Mm -hmm. thing is that it had to be like about the stages of grief like every loop had to have like a purpose of exploring a different stage of grief for amathar um yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know i put like so many notes so many handwritten notes and (laughs) digital notes that would just never see the light of day and that was me just being like i have to do this 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 under like (laughs) yeah but um yes yeah, I don't know. I'm very proud of it. And thank you. I'm so glad people like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's well-written. I'm only like 10K in, but well-written. I think it's so, so funny when you tweeted the whole, uh, you got up to bad time, good time, anytime. It was like, had to yes. stop. Like, oh my God. It was like 11.30, so I think. Worse. And they had said bad time, good time for the first time, like in the first loop. And I went... I'm not gonna be able to read this right now. I can't. I just have to go to sleep. It gets so much worse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I hope people actually got caught off guard from Jets for Jets Loop. Like I know we've been talking about Indie Twenty Park for ages, but I hope people mm-hmm. outside of it like didn't yeah. see it coming because literally that was very I would have been blindsided if it wasn't for the fact that I was literally like in the chat watching <laughs> as you guys conceived yeah. that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh I remember just, like, I was vibing on Discord, and then I got an at in Halcyon, which I just barely opened, so I was like, I wonder who actually added me for once, and it was Sam being like, help. Talk to me about like, Jet, talk to me about yeah, Jet, and I was, I was like, like, give me I really 30 seconds. Want a free and I was like, I've written this, yeah, I've only, like... you did such a... Yeah, I was like, because Jet... I put Jet's like loop in this because I wanted to focus on her and not just Amethyst. But then it, the way it sounded like it's like I don't want a conclusion where she like sacrifices her life to save her dad. Like I don't like that's simply just not what it's about. Like, so it was like like it's yeah. too late already, and I like that. Like the fact mm. that like there was no version of this where like 
she was gonna get out but then she chooses not to for the sake of him like yeah it's, i don't want to give too many spoilers but like it's just <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like it's just... i don't know I, I i really love everything you did with it thank you there's thank gonna be you. so many links in this episode of... <laughs> <laughs> so, true. so true oh my god no i'm, I'm so excited um, link to our both our half unfinished google docs <laughs> <laughs> I have the two chapters on AO3. They, you can yeah, go reread that. two I'll chapters over and over again. <laughs> so um, I think my favorite... Okay, can I say... Okay, so two things probably is that favorite fan work in the title fan work is probably uh, Faust's Amathar lyric stuff. So true. Since we've already talked right. about the Gethsemane fic. Because it's just so cleverly laid out. Mm. And it's just such a it's just such a perfect like set of... I actually don't remember what it's quoting anymore. I don't remember words. But such a perfect set of lines that fit with that entire narrative as well. And also, Foss is an amazingly fast artist. Insanely fast. He was, he was sending whips like with like for two days and then he was done. And I was like, how did you do that? Oh <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm so impressed with Foss. I love yeah, him. I could talk about Foss um, poems up for literally so long. It's my phone background right now. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it's like literally that one that one frame i literally gasped out loud because you have like the foreground of the battle and then the payment day and then the background of the castle i was like oh my god and i it's, lost my mind and yeah his composition, composition his composition drives me insane, insane. like i feel like so i've seen good. him like whip out sketches so quickly and i'm like how did you do this so quickly it looks so good yeah. it's laid out so well um the it's other crazy, thing like, the way people are like the things that people are good at for like i'm not a Oh, like yeah. I can't dry it all or anything. Like my mom is a is a painter and stuff, and she never. I don't think I've ever seen her do like a composition sketch in her life. <laughs> like she just like on a, like a four by like six like gigantic canvas will just start painting. And I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> Can I note one more thing for the fan works? Hmm. Um, that isn't a fan work, but it's fan run, and we talked about it earlier. The transcripts mm, are like like Una is so vigilant about them and it is incredible how quickly they come out and how useful they are and i think people should uh it's it's completely fan run from what i know like it's it's not anyone on dropout and i feel like that's it's not exactly a fan work um but i feel like it's also like a really big effort that we should talk about Mm. yeah big fan effort yeah yeah. fan efforts are important if you've ever used a D20 transcript, thank your local fans. Uh, those fan efforts are important because it's what keeps the community going. Yeah. How, how many fits will we not have where they're not transcripts? Oh my god, I had episode 9 funny. transcripts yeah. open for literally like four months straight <laughs> writing my <laughs> week. Just because I had to keep and going think, back and seeing how it went. I think there are a couple that are like mildly scuffed because D20 makes content so quickly mm. that usually they're like focus is to like produce the next one as opposed to go back and edit and make sure that they kind of are formatted correctly um they're they're releasing stuff even faster and yeah Yeah. in fantasy high some of the captions are like uh yeah the captions in the finale they spell calvaxis wrong (laughs) and i'm like no one's gonna like, <laughs> I'll check that. Like, no, I definitely I think, think I, 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 it's insane that D20's transcripts is fan run because I do think it's actually better oh, yeah, than yeah. a lot of the dropout captions. 
I think yeah. Una tweeted once was like, I'm just going to watch this episode without writing the transcript for it. And I was like, you're doing that while you're watching the episode live? <laughs> like, oh, new? Oh my what? God. <laughs> Una. I, I, I adore them and their efforts for it. Yeah. Also, um, like, even outside of like fic and stuff, like there's so, I feel like I like the show more because I've been able to go back and find my favorite moments in the show mm. without timestamps because I can find mm-hmm. them in the doc and like then find the scene in the episode. Like, oh, I yeah. think, like, who's it? There's also, like, Emily Axford's um, Adventuring Academy episode. That's an incredible, like, episode to listen to if you want to play D&D. And there's so many great moments in it that I could go back and find because of the transcripts. Mm. Like, that's, it's really helpful for a lot of different stuff. Wait, wait, I have a question for, I have a question for Vizan specifically. Um, yeah. What it, would you say is the most insane thing you've changed? Where you looked at it afterwards, you were like, what the fuck was I thinking? But also we're going with it, if, they, if you know what I mean. Hmm. That you want Let to reveal, think. that you want to reveal here. Cut out like 10 seconds of me thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can turn this on me later if you want me to also be perceived, but... <laughs> I think just how rude the cathedral fight is in my fic because it's like, you know, it goes the same way that it does. It, like it's all from Le Pen's perspective, and it goes exactly the way that it does in the um, in the show, pretty much. Except after Le Pen like knocks Liam back and is like, "I'll protect you," and basically sacrifices himself. Liam keeps trying to fight and then gets killed as well Ooh. in front of Le Pen, and it's like Ow. the sac like. <laughs> The the moment still works because he gets the rest of the rocks out of there. But it's like Liam, like Liam is still there trying to fight, and then Preston goes down, and Liam's there, and then oh right as he's fighting Carradine, that's when mm-hmm. Grassini comes from the back because he's been making his way up. If you see the see in the cathedral and gets him with his like spear, so and then Pen dies, <laughs> and it's like it's like the first of two red weddings. Mm-hmm. The other is so Amathar dies from his fall on the parapets. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> so I'm sorry. Oh the offhand comment that killed Emil. <laughs> oh my god. Sentence I thing. feel psychic damage. <laughs> we were workshopping like with you because I have I don't just have like it's um Ruby's chapter or Jet's chapter or something like that. It's like I gave them all names, like the princess, the knight. And yeah. everyone's like, ooh, the puzzle master, the mastermind <laughs> for Calroy or whatever. Oh but his God. very this first is perspective like is... Tales. But like then the very first perspective chapter we get of him is after he's just killed Amathar and he's just so losing true. his mind. So, right? true. so I can't, I couldn't give him like a, a name like the mastermind when he's mm. falling apart at the very first time we see his Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. God bless. <laughs> Yeah, you no, I really do. Did the you... best iterations of Calroy. So true. You settled on like the trader or the turncoat, right? Yeah, I think the turncoat, but that's where I think I'll still workshop that. The trader mm. also is fun. Mm, yeah, no, I do love that. I do love. God that. bless. What about what about you? What's the craziest <laughs> thing you've added to yours, Erin? Um, do you want the like slightly more lighthearted one? Not lighthearted. But like no, less serious one, or the one that's like actually with, serious. No. This was, the this was everything. <laughs> I'm already the two, dead. The two, there's one that might take a meal out again, and then one that's just like a fun big thing that I've been working on. The big I thing have was two, so you can do two. Sure, uh, I rewrote the theology. <laughs> so true. <laughs> this was, this was, okay, 
Asterisk, this was before Chrome's uh, Zoom call with Brennan. So I right. was already in the state of, I was like, I don't really like how the Bulb and the Hungry one works, so I'm going to rewrite them. And then I rewrote them, and then they had that call, and I was like, it kind of works, but I'm still just going to stick with my version. Um, and that necessitated making a different cool. dragon character to stand alongside mm-hmm. Cinnamon as a dragon. Um, and um, right. I think the way that I put it was I chose two things that I think are uh, present in all the food groups, which is uh, spice, which is for cinnamon, and honey, which is the other one. And they stand for oh, uh, cool. the hungry one and the bulb specifically. Um, and then the other one is that Theo tries to kill Saccharina in mine. Sorry. Oh, my God. So <laughs> true. Oh, no. So uh, the way that... This is just, this is a big spoiler for my fic, and I don't care. Um, So the way that I'm trying to write Theo, the reason why I'm struggling to write Theo is that Theo's, I wrote, I wrote it so that Theo's loyalty is to Calvary the whole time, because he basically convinces Theo that Amathar is the reason why Lazuli's stuff is going down, like why her, her legacy is being erased. So like his, like, it's one of those things where Theo's loyalty is technically to Lazuli, but it's this sort of corrupted version of Lazuli that Calroy slowly, like, kind of poisoned him with over the course of 25 Cash, years. Like, girl, keep gate bombs. I was like, yeah, because so I remember you telling me that the Calroy oh you always think is actually good in his job, but he's actually really oh, he's good evil. and has broken down Castle Candy by the time we start. So Calroy basically... First of all, Calroy intercepted all of uh, the messengers that tell they're supposed to tell Amethyst that Catherine's alive. Mm. So he f- is fully aware oh. of who Catherine and Sakarina are, yeah. um, and is is mostly pissy that Amethyst didn't tell him himself. <laughs> so that's that's his petty, and uh, he ends up basically uh, moving Sakarina and Catherine to Candia, like separating them from the Dairy Isles completely, moving them to Buzzy Brook slash that area. Um, by basically pretending to be Amethyst's like uh, middleman, without reporting to Amethyst at all. So true. Um, so he moves him over. He basically like uh, he finds out who Sakarina is, and he is the one who kickstarts the entire plot by telling her to come to the castle. And he's a dramatic. He, he's just dramatic as fuck. So he gives her the wrong time. So she walks in at the most inopportune time and kind of starts the entire thing. Um, he. He has this entire thing with Theo. Um, what else is there? I'm I, I'm just going through and seeing Calvary so many times. Fuck. Um, God, it's just of all the things, it feels like this is the most out of character because he's so smart. He's like so mm-hmm. smart here. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's basically I think I wanted to write a version of Calroy who kept a lot of his manipulative manipulation slash manipulation tactics even after kind of being faced with a lot of the kind of anger and jealousy that Canon Calroy seems to be kind of crippled by, if that makes any sense. Mm, so right. true. Um, so true. I love that. So true. Because, yeah, we get this whole so image good. of Calroy being, like, really good at manipulation, really good at politics, and really good at, like, lying. But then, like, he's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, like, because of his, <laughs> yeah. like, anger and avatar, like, we don't, he doesn't do a lot of that. And so I love that. Yeah. And then yes. I was like, so what if he so did? I love that we went in such <laughs> different directions with him. Yeah. Because, like, like, oh, yeah. I made him. 
love. Like, I made him even more incompetent in mind, if I'm being honest. Like, I didn't try to rehabilitate him or anything, but he's, like, mm-hmm. losing it at any given second. So true. Inside yeah. of you, there are two cowards. <laughs> one has the brain cell and one doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you are a crown of candy. <laughs> oh, my God. I, my... I have a note, so, mm. and I have I have the literal line, the plot starts because Calroy is a gay little cake man who finds out about Sacharina secretly and invites her to a big formal event at the castle and she announces that she's Amathar's daughter. So <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm obsessed with that. Cheers. I'm obsessed with that, I'm sorry. It's literally, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking, so, like, mine, like, it's a fuck-up because, like, of everything. And then the Cerisians come in and he's trying to, like, screw with the Cerisians because he doesn't actually want to get... He wants ca- cal- Candia for himself. He doesn't want to become a senator. Mm-hmm. So he's dealing with that. But then also Bitter Knight Darknibs is in mine. And he and she's, like, hunting him, basically. And, like, he's losing his mind because that's happening as well. Yes! Oh, I'm obsessed. I've- oh, yeah. you guys, neither of you have read Game of Thrones, right? Nope. Aaron, you too, right? Nope. So, nope. Did you know, I just want, did you know that um, the Bitter Knight storyline of, like, getting murdered and betrayed and then coming back as, like, a vengeance-driven, like, revenant is actually the Cara Melinda story in, in A Song of Ice and Fire, essentially? Oh. Like, the character of, like, Cara Melinda's analog character, Catelyn Stark, who's, like, the mother of all the Stark children, various Stark children die over the series, and she actually dies in what's essentially analogous to the Safe Harbor incident mm. in A Crown of Candy, and she's the one who gets brought back only but only partially so as true. Lady Stoneheart, which is Interesting. Bitter Night Dark Nibs. Instead of it being Rococo, it's Cara Melinda, who after her, she thinks oh, all of her children have been murdered, including Jet. She comes back and it's just, there's nothing left but rage in her. Oh my God. And it's like, mm-hmm. like what I got it's just her across the country. That. Yeah. This is the it's part so, you can keep in, Sam. It's so true. You can keep in this part. This is kind of gross, and you can actually cut this part out. But, like, <laughs> they cut her throat when they kill her. It's, like, a very... It's She's one of the... That's the... That's the thing that I forgot to say about perspective chapters I love so much is that you see some storylines in Game of Thrones from minor characters' perspectives instead of major ones. Mm. So, Rob Stark is, like, Jet rocks essentially they're similar characters but you don't see Jet's story from her point of view you see it from her the mother's point of view you see it from Catelyn's point of view and she's so worried for him and then Safe Harbor comes and he dies in front of her and then she dies and then she becomes Lady Stoneheart and you see it all from the her the mother's point of view rather so than Jet's true. point of view because Jet was never gonna be the king like never gonna win the war so she doesn't get a perspective chapter because you know, she, it was yeah, never going to, she was always, she was never going to be the, the, the chosen one, the final one. It was always leading to her death. And so she doesn't get to be the perspective chapter. And so who so tells true. the story is so important. Yeah. And that's why like perspective chapters are so cool within it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So true. I do love that. Yes. I am so obsessed with this. I, I love this. Love Honestly, Faizan, I think you're actually going to make me start reading Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, right? I can't, like, I genuinely, it has problems, but I love it so much. It's not, I keep recommending it, and it's, like, not a completed series. <laughs> yeah, so true. But, like, I, it's, like, it destroyed me. I read it in high school, like, too early, and it's, like, the most <laughs> epic. It's, like, it's one of the biggest things that I've ever read, and it's so, so good. 
Yeah. Also, I think it's so funny that I've been name dropping Faison in like so many of these episodes. It's just like, oh yeah, he told me this, he told me this, and then it's like, oh, finally we get to hear. Like, finally we get it. Yeah, this is such a disappointment. We have to keep the camera Linda bit in because every time we've mentioned Game of Thrones, it's been oh, so we've never seen so we've Game never. of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> the the <Fizans> right? <laughs> I don't watch like, the show though just read the books i know i already know that i should not watch the show i love it i'm like i i know that it has a lot of problems but oh my god i yeah there's a reason i love a crown of candy so much like i was so excited from the start because like i could not wait to see dimension 20's take on this kind of story yeah Oh, it's so good. It's so good getting that inside. Okay. So now as we start kind of closing off, if our listeners want to find you, where can they find you? What socials? And do you have anything to plug? Like, for example, Erin, I know you have a few chapters up of your rewrite. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and I guess AO3 um, under Chromathesia, uh, C-H-R-O-M-A-T-H-E-S-I-A. I forgot how to spell for two seconds. <laughs> um, and I think you're going to probably include a link to this. I can se- I can send it to you. Um, my rewrite is called Air of the Bliss Point. It's another cooking pun slash so reference. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, and yeah, I mean anything to plug i feel like i have a bunch of different projects that are coming up that i'll be posting about on twitter but the biggest one that's been announced is that i'm working with sam on the calzine so stay tuned to that calzine calzine i can't tell um yeah there we go um so yeah keep up with gentleman's guide it's gonna be fun it already like all the stuff that i've seen like in planning is going good and we haven't even gotten to closing artist apps yet so It'll probably be closed by the time this comes out, but yeah. Hey, yeah, keep an eye out. It's gonna be lit. It is gonna be good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I am on like Twitter and Tumblr and stuff as Phazon seven two three. That's F A I Z A A N seven two three. I don't have an Ao three account, I just, um, but like at some point I will. Dev- I'll do that. Um, Probably under that name too, or maybe not my actual name. So true. Uh, and the fic is called um, "A Song of Crowns and Candy." Oh, I love that! <laughs> I like that. If any listeners have both watched *A Crown of Candy* and read *A Song of Ice and Fire*, DM Python so you can actually talk to someone. <laughs> oh, please! Because <laughs> the people who like... do don't agree with me. <laughs> Hashtag Carrot and his Melisandre. <laughs> no, no. Oh we God. can't bring it to Twitter. We can't bring it to Twitter. Yeah, out there. yeah I just want to say again, thank you so yes, much for being on. Thank you so on. much. It's, yes, it's so yeah. cool seeing what you guys have come up with. It's so, it's been so cool. And yeah, we'll be hanging up now, I guess. <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Yeah, rewrites are just so interesting to hear about. I hope we get someone calling with, like, another rewrite or an alternate universe, like, right now. Yeah. Would you look at that? We have another caller. (laughs) Good morning. Who are we speaking to today? Love being able to say that. (laughs) 
Okay, um, I'm Olive, pronouns they, them, and I'm here to talk about the 5AU. So Ooh, so lovely. <laughs> I love your listeners at home who might not know, what is the 5AU? So the 5AU stands for Oops All Healers Plus One Rogue, which is kind of like <laughs> a rewrite slash alternate universe where Safria and Satrina survived the Ravening War while Amathar didn't, and then just... A million, million things that changed from that because we thought it would be cool. So, like, Jet and LaPan survive their canon deaths. Alfredi survives for longer. Elizabeth was dead the whole time she died in the Ravening War. So uh, we tried to make the fights more exciting. Um, a few classes got changed around. The twins are 15 now and the Jet's a paladin. Ruby's a warlock. Um, let's see. Humble Plumbling is more important. Amanda is there. Caramanda is extremely real. So Saffling. Saffling exists. So I love Saffling, which is Safria and Plumbling. So <laughs> um, yeah, I think less rocks family drama because they're just like a stronger family. Saccharina's been there since she was 10. She got picked up by Safria. Mm-hmm. Um, Satrina and Cara, Cara Melinda are married, but also Caramander is still real. It, they work it out. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's how it should have been in canon with Cara. <laughs> yeah, but Satrina's too. fine with it. She loves love. <laughs> love wins. Actually, yeah, Satrina exactly. Love wins. Yeah, and just kind of, you know, see how things change from there, I guess. Yeah, so there's probably no way, I've been a fan of 5AU for a while, and there's probably no way we can probably list, like, every single change. Yeah, there's there no is, way. Yeah, there is, because it happens, like, 20 years before canon is what we've, like, fundamentally changed. So it means, like, yeah. so many things are different. Changed, like, three main things of Amathar dying and then Safra and Trina surviving, and then from there... A million other things end up changing. <laughs> yes, like I believe the doc is like hundred pages and including yeah. like a timeline and dates and episodes yeah. rewrites bit I, by bit. We got detailed. <laughs> we got very detailed. <laughs> so good. Um, yes, and I did read all hundred pages. It was very good. <laughs> yes. So obviously, this is so different from canon. What drove you, I guess, to make it or like start this entirely different AU? Well, it started out as, like, a collaboration between me and Marisol. We started making different AUs for, like, each of the individual Rock Sisters surviving the war because we love the Rock Sisters and them being dead makes us very sad. (laughs) Um, We ended up picking out, like, two of our favourites, which was Satrina and Safria. We thought those AUs were the most interesting and most fun and we liked those two sisters the best, I guess, and then combined them and went from there. And then for me in particular, it was definitely driven by just loving Safria. She is my favourite Rock sister. She is my favourite Acog character in general. At the point in time we started it, we had, I think, one flashback Three lines of information about her. We knew she was a rogue. We knew she was dead, probably. We didn't know how she died. We didn't know, like, anything else about her, which made her the most, like, mysterious sister. And Mm. that was just really appealing to me. So I came up with my own answers for what she's been doing, how she could still be alive. I convinced myself she was still alive and that she was awesome. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Turns out she wasn't alive, but she could have been, I think. 
probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Siobhan revealed Bitter Night Darkness. Yeah, yeah. When Bitter, when Darkness was revealed to be Siobhan's backup, I screamed because I was so convinced for a while that Sacria was Siobhan's backup. I was like, yes, <laughs> it would make perfect sense. A sister can still be alive because we didn't know how she died. We knew how all the others died. And I was like, well, I don't see how Rococo and Lasley could have, like, escaped their deaths because they were, like, fairly public. And I don't think Satrina would have been able to escape her death. So Safria was, like, mm. the one that made sense. We don't know how she died. It could have been faked. It could She could have just gotten away somehow. If any sister could be alive, Safri would make sense. Also, she was my favourite and I wanted to see her. So that was a moment for me. And I think around the same time, it was a little bit after episode nine. So Jet's death had kind of ruined me because I think I'd been like so ready for it. And then it actually happened. And I was like, wait, hang on a second. I'm an older twin. This ruins me emotionally. Oh my God. Wait, you're a twin? (laughs) I am a twin. Oh my God. I like didn't know. Did I know this? I will be putting this out. I feel like I've talked about it a few times, but I don't like shout it from the rooftops. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I just really had no idea and I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I am a twin. So Jet's death hit me eventually. And I was like, okay, never mind. I want to fix this. And then LaPan's death had also wrecked Marisol a little bit. So we were like, we Mm. can fix this together. (laughs) So we just changed her. Yeah. So we were like, we can make an AU where so all our favourites are still alive and we can just write everything the way we want it to happen. And then we went and did that oh and just added God. things in canon as it happened. So true. I'm obsessed with all the rewrites <laughs> truly just being like, I can fix her. Brackets. I'm proud of candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess from your viewpoint... Because uh, obviously you're not the first person in fandom to create really intricate AUs, and you're not going to no. be the last. It's just a very funny AU to hear about. What do you think makes alternate universes appealing to the masses? Why do you think so, so many masses. people make alternate universes? <laughs> well, I think with AUs and like rewrites and everything, they don't have to follow like the typical format of whatever medium they're in so the D D mm-hmm. format like mm-hmm. we can have all the backup pcs we can just put them in there they doesn't need to be one or the other mm-hmm. so we can have mm-hmm. cumulus and lapin at the same time we can just look at things that canon doesn't get to explore whether because of time or the players decide not to go that way or they just miss something completely And that's just something that I find very entertaining and interesting and cool. Just, like, being able to look at characters that don't get as much attention in canon or any attention in some cases and just thinking about how they fit into the world, changing a couple things and seeing how the dominoes fall from there and just taking all the parts that I really like and looking closer at them and making them better, in my opinion. Yeah. And just being really self-indulgent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Safria and Satrina, they don't really get a lot. Like, of the sisters, I think Lasley gets the most sort of focus. And Sa- Satrina and Rococo get a bit, and Safria gets, mm. like, very, very little. Yeah. Which makes sense, but also I love her and I want her to have attention. Yes. so i can bring them to the forefront yeah i think it's so fun that we've like truly like exactly like safria has such 
little screen time and she has maybe three lines but it's like we've narrowed in her and been like yeah we love you like you are so good lines in canon I know because I have a note of those six (laughs) lines and what they are and where they come from I'm pretty sure most of them are in the one flashback yeah I love that yeah I think and I still have a quote of hers as my like status on discord yeah I was just (laughs) looking at that long way from home brother you know I uh I've used that line as evidence that she was still alive I was like yeah this is this is a clue (laughs) (laughs) frankly she should have been I think it's oh man because it's the fact that she died so mysteriously what I really love about this Rira is that it like it's such a huge thing that we're changing from the very beginning of the Ravening War so it's like it's sort of something that we have to have huge how do I say it? Though we have to, um, we have to take huge assumptions about the text or about these characters that we've rarely seen, and then yeah. put that into this canon world that we have. And it's sort of like, yes, like half of it is literally just like, Satrina could be an OC at this point. Like Safria is basically an OC at this point. But we've yeah, taken like yeah. it's a reasonable one that we've taken from like the very little screen time she has and expanded on and like it works like I can see it it makes (laughs) sense to me and yeah yeah so it's simply so cool to see what comes from that yeah it's just and it's also fun to see the thing the like guesses I made that then sort of turned out to be kind of correct Mm. like before we found out that Safria died in the Meatlands on like a mission I thought yeah she died on a mission but I thought maybe it was in Ceresia Mm. so I didn't really have to change that much when we got that new information because I sort of already had guessed the bare bones of it all just from you know taking what I did know yep she's a rogue she was a diplomat during the war she would have gone out and done diplomat things she's also a super cool spy she would have done secret missions a secret mission went wrong secret mission went wrong in enemy territory boom there we go that's what happened to her (laughs) and then just in our version she just survived it (laughs) Yes. The mission went wrong, but she managed to live and disappeared for a year and a half. But that's that's a whole thing. <laughs> ACOC in particular has also just been like, I think it's really good for big, massive works like this because the scale of the whole universe feels a lot bigger than other Dimension yeah, 20 exactly. stuff. Yeah. Like Ooh. Fantasy High was pretty centered down on Elmville. The Unsleeping City is in New York. It feels kind of self-contained, even though there's a, still a lot of branching out. But yeah. ACOC yeah. was expansive from, like, the get-go. So true, yeah. There was, was so much going on. Yeah, it was literally, like, yeah. we'd have, um, yeah, because the Unsleeping City, City is set in our world, so it's, like, we can't really, there's not a lot of lore we can make up and have fun with, Yeah. You know? But, um, like, but with A Crown of Candy, it's, like, an entirely different fantasy world that we can really, really think about and add all these things to. Oh, simply so good. Simply so good. Yeah. And then we also had the Ravening War, which exactly. was this massive, huge historical event from 20 years ago that affects literally everything. Mm. Every character is impacted by it in some way. It still informs things that happen in the present of canon. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's massive. And there's we got enough information about it to form like a basic idea. Like, okay, yeah, this happened. This yeah. person died here. This person did this. But there's still so much that was never explained. Yes. And so many like guesses that we have to make. Like, 
there's just so much like gray mm, area just, like, to just it. dive right into which makes yes. me go crazy yes yeah there are so many little things where it's like Brennan didn't clarify for us and it's not like mm. a flaw because I feel like it's just it's just like he didn't add just enough for us to like be able to add the stuff in ourselves or th- do the theorizing ourselves or what if this happened how would that change things or what would what if this happened how would that change things and it's like oh it's so good I love the ravening wall I'm like I I just think about it so often I think about it so I, often. I'm obsessed yeah. with the ravening wall I'm obsessed with it <laughs> yeah because it's literally like because yes the ravening wall is so fun because it's literally five years where everything that could go wrong goes wrong, right? <laughs> and within the small span of five years. So at the beginning of these five years, like, everyone is happy. Everyone is vibing. Because it started with this one guy, Jacques Tomate, and it's a, like a succession crisis. And we don't explain, it doesn't, it's not explained exactly, like, what the precise thing of this succession crisis was, just that there was one between Jacques and Vegetania. And so the, then my idea for the Ravening War was that, okay, he was second in line for the Vegetarian throne, but he's a Fructarian, so the Vegetarian's like, oh, yeah, when he turns 18, he'll just renounce his claim because he's not Vegetarian. Easy done, politics <laughs> done, everyone's happy, we can go home. And then Jacques, for whatever reason, decides, actually, I'm not going to do that. And so everything then snowballs and goes terrible from there. Mm. And everyone gets dragged into it. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> Jacques is so much. I can't. I can't. No. Yeah, I'm such a nerd for, like, fucking fantasy worlds with fantasy history. Mm. I hate real life history. I love (laughs) fantasy history. Yeah. Fantasy history Um, is so fun. Yeah. The Ravening War is just Because I'm someone who usually kind of can't get into fantasy history. As in, like, when I read fantasy books, there are such, like, weird names and... Or, like, it drags for me. Like, if I have to learn, like, if I have to spend time learning more history about a place that's, like, where it's really sort of hard and, like, heavy to, like, learn, I usually, like, zone out, right? Like, it's a kind of thing where it's, like, if you have a long title in a fantasy book I'm reading, I'm just, my eyes are skimming straight past it. Like, (laughs) I don't want to know. And... But, like, A Crown of Candy is so different where it's, like, I want to know everything. And it's definitely because it's the food world, right? It's definitely because yeah. it's still set in, like, a comedic, like, everyone is food. And because I already, like, I know what food is, I can, like, go into that with, like, interest of, like, how are they playing this? What little food things are they bringing in? Like, what yeah. preconceptions do we have of food? Are they, like, including in the lore here? And that's what makes it, that's what makes A Crown of Candy, like, so interesting to me. Because I was reading, like, I think it was Priory of the Orange Tree a little bit back. And there was like a lot, there's a lot of history in that that's really different, um, obviously, because it's like a fantasy world. And mm-hmm. I like truly my brain sometimes just like couldn't like, I was like, who is this guy again? Who? What's happening? <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about right now? Um, in a way that's like, I just didn't have with A Crown of Candy because A Crown of Candy was like, it seemed so geared towards being like fun and stuff like that. Yeah, um, just, and I think very Brennan does a really good job of only keeping in the details that are absolutely necessary. Yeah. A lot of fantasy mm. books where you have the time to say as much as you want. It'll do, like, really big information dumps. Yeah. I don't know why this came to mind, but when I think of, like, like lore information dumps, I always think of that section in 1984. If you have not read it, then you don't know what I'm talking about. If you have, you know exactly what. But it's like the main character Wilson opens up a pamphlet about Big Brother, and the mm. next five p- 
pages of the book are, <laughs> are is God. like literally the quote from the pamphlet. So I was like, Big Brother yeah. will protect you, whatever, whatever. And I was like, I'm not fucking reading this. I'm really <laughs> yeah. not. I skipped Just the entire skip it. <laughs> But A Crowd of Candy does not have that. Brennan knows when to put in lore and when to stop it. And so that also means like when it's not enough for us, we can just fill in the gaps. And we can do that because it's based on something we know already about food. So it's all this, uh, all a good mix that you can add some condiments to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we get enough context for to like make guesses and figure things out and enough information to just connect the dots on our own but mm-hmm. then there's still a lot of room for us to just totally go wild and make stuff up if we want to exactly so one thing i really love about 5au is the idea like yeah that in a way we're sort of fixing canon because we were making it as well you guys were making it as the show went on it was like oh this episode was kind of like i it went differently to the way i wanted it to go here is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna yeah. add it to the au so you guys had, I know you had the sisters come to life because Alfredi was such a bigger part of this AU. You had yes. the sister statues be like transformed by Alfredi um, using like Bulby and magical alchemy to like attack, yeah, to attack the rocks when they came back. Like, oh, I think about that so often. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of theories that didn't end up quite panning out that we kind of just put into the 5AU. So the statues was a big one in the Buzzy Brook mm. episode when I think Oliver brought the food monster things to life. Yes. I was like, mm-hmm. that's totally going to come back. They're going to like put, <laughs> they're going to make the sisters' statues come to life in the finale oh. and fight the Rocks family and it'll be oh, so dramatic and emotional so and amazing. It'll be great. Oh and then that didn't happen and I was like, hmm. All right, but we can make it happen in our version and it'll be great and emotional and awesome and amazing. So we just did that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was literally like, I think, because you can see in the behind the scenes video where Brennan is explaining to the cast all the things that he sort of wanted to happen. Mm. And he brought out the disc of like, so here's all the constructs that we were going to, that you were going to have to fight, but you didn't get to because of... And it was just like, damn it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so many missed opportunities, but it's just uh, more stuff for us to put in in our own stuff and make do it yes, the way we true. want to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been just truly the emotional, the emotional and physical challenge of having to fight statues of the Literally. <laughs> and also it just would have been what really fun, giant statues of like Rococo and Leslie yeah, and Trina just, wa- yeah. just walking around and st- dumping on things like come yeah. on <laughs> oh. and because of me another scene i really love is the sabria and Kauri <gasps> confrontation because like neither because Kauri is still the bad guy in here yes um and he has like and he still does all these things in the ravening war but instead of getting rococo i mean he gets rococo killed and also amathai at the same time yeah um, that hurts. but safria and satrina don't know and so the episode nine monologue goes to safria instead and yes. i am obsessed with that <laughs> I, it was i think one of the first things that i came up with for five and it is one of my favorites as well because Safri is obviously my favourite, so I love when she gets big dramatic moments. But then one of my things mm. with Safri's character is that she's kind of prideful. She's very yes. confident in her abilities. She's very confident in, like, herself and her skills. And well-deserved, she is very competent and smart and intelligent. 
And so Calroy has spent 20 years basically being terrified that she's going to find out about him yes. this whole time. But <laughs> Safria never suspected Calroy of anything because she also felt extremely guilty about Amathar and Rococo's yes. deaths. And Calroy was so connected to Amathar in her mind, she basically just gave him the benefit of the doubt whenever he might have slipped up. Mm. So Ooh, when Safria then... Yeah, it's a very fun dynamic. And so when Safria eventually finds out that Calroy was behind Amathar and Rococo's desk this whole time, when she thought she had figured it out who done it and gotten them, got rid of them like 20 years ago, it's just such a massive, important, heartbreaking, ground-shaking moment for her. Mm. And Calroy also gets a moment of being like, wow, you're Safria, like, the most smartest person in, like, all of... You've got this huge reputation. You, like, came back from the dead. You survived so much. But you never noticed what I was doing, what I've done, what I did this whole time. And I was right yeah. here. Ooh. And yeah. That's so crazy. good. That's Ooh, so good. That no, that is um, so yeah. good. I'm going to be thinking about yes. that for a while. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Safria and Calroy's dynamic in five is one of my favorite things because Calroy is so worried that she's going to figure it out. Safria doesn't notice at all, and but then Calroy is still just like, "Wow, she's not noticing. How is she not (laughs) noticing? Holy shit, she's going to notice eventually, but she never does because he's just fully a non-entity to her." She oh just looks God. at him and is so like, funny. that's Amathar's best friend. I feel yeah. really shitty so about Amathar's death. <laughs> I think I find it so funny that Kara in your AU is going through this thing of like, um, yes, she's constant not noticing. Paranoia. I'm so good at this. Um, it's constant paranoia. But then also like, why isn't she noticing me? Yeah, it's like, look at all I'm, look at what I'm doing. I'm so impressed. Like, that's so funny. Yeah, in the funnier moments, it's like, how dare you not notice that I killed your brother and your sister? Like, come on. How could you do this? embodies the aura of, like, younger brother's best friend, where it's like, they're very much interested in the older siblings, right? And, like, getting that respect from them. And the older siblings, are not at all paying attention to him. I love that. Yeah. God, yeah. And then, it's so funny. Yeah, and it's then also just very funny because I think Safria and Amathar were very close, and I but I don't think Safria ever really liked Calroy. She didn't really trust yeah. him during the Ravening War, but then she went to the Meatlands, she nearly died, she went missing for a year and a half, and she came back, like, right direct, like, a few days after Amathar and Rococo were killed. So, and she could have come back sooner, but she chose not to for other reasons because she was going through a time. But because yeah. she could have come back earlier, but she didn't, she then has this guilt. I could have saved Amathar and Rococo. If I'd come back, I would have found out who the traitors were earlier because I'm good at that. That's what I do. Mm. Yeah. So That's Calroy cute. managing to betray and Amathar and Rococo and kill them and then hide it for 20 years is basically Safria's whole job she failed at it yeah on the greatest level yeah yeah it's like the guilt i love that idea of um her guilt like sort of blinding her from um realizing that it was calroy the whole time because it was just like yeah calroy like clumsily set up some other random soldiers to take the fall and safria in the moment was so upset and angry that she just Mm. went for it 
She mm, took the bait. Yeah. She fed, she saw the clumsy evidence and went, yep, okay, get those guys. They're done. Justice. Yes. They're avenged. I'm going to go be really sad about this for the next 20 years, but I'm not going to think about <laughs> yes. it any deeply, any oh, deeply so at all. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. I am obsessed yeah. with that. And then there's also, like, Satrina finding out, which is then also mm. different because Satrina doesn't have guilt around Amatha and Rococo's death in particular, but mm-hmm. she's her. She's mostly just worried about, like, the burden of, like, being queen. It's not what she wanted to do. But yeah. she also, she did trust Calroy and she did listen yeah. to him and so she took his advice on board. But she also had Caramelinda and Safra advising her so Calroy didn't have as much influence as he had over Amatha. But she mm-hmm. still trusted him and considered him a friend and then she finds out, oh, yeah, whoops, he killed <laughs> Amatha <laughs> and Rococo. He's the reason you're queen now. He's the reason your whole life went absolutely off the rails. So, and then she just gets really, really upset. Yes. (sighs) Understandable. I mm. also, sorry, I'm just like spitting out like all these things that I just like truly went like, yes. I love that Ruby in your AU is a warlock of the SPF, the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yes, that that is just very, that was a very bit fun moment of like self-indulgence for me because I, I like, I was really enjoying the things that SPF was doing and, like, sort of trying mm. to trick Ruby and get her to, like... I, I I thought that maybe SPF would try to convince Ruby to, like, betray her family or whatever, and that kind yeah. of didn't end up happening. I don't know. But I was like, oh, let's do that, but even more. So, yes. And Ruby's, like, 15 and 5 AU because Satrina and Caramelinda took longer to have children. <laughs> <laughs> so they're 15, And Jet is a paladin, and the idea is Ruby saw Jet become a paladin and then went, hang on, I want cool magic too, ends up following (laughs) LaPan to some SPF meeting or whatever, eavesdrops, and then later on goes, hello, random fairy, I want magic, please give it to me. SPF went, (laughs) awesome, this is a golden opportunity, I'm going to manipulate this child. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. Um, Yeah, and it just makes the actual eventual Sugar Plum Fairy temple fight, like, even more intense because then it's like not necessarily about bringing back jet but like stopping ruby from being manipulated by the sugar plum fairy yeah, yeah 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 i think Which one of so yeah cool. it's it's very fun because then we get to have the moment because then where it's like in the episode nine equivalent ruby loses her like arcane focus so then she can't do her magic for a while and she's really big on doing her magic she, it's very yeah. important to her and so she's really upset and then spf is like hey i can't like just give you random magic for nothing but if you come to me i can help you yeah. get your magic back <laughs> yay yes yeah, yeah. yeah. and the parents just like what yeah, and yeah. it also means LaPan and Ruby get to have like a mentor dynamic kind of thing, which is just very fun. It's just yeah, because yeah, LaPan doesn't trust SPF at all, but there's only so much he can do to stop yeah. SPF from tricking Ruby because also he's not really that great of a mentor. <laughs> and he just he doesn't pay that much attention to what she's doing. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that's it's so fun. Yes, yeah, I love how. Yeah, it's like huge, big plot twist elements, right? Um, in terms of like Jet living and LaPan living, but also like it sort of like keeps the core of a crown of candy in that like it is like a family drama and it is yeah. like 
um, these huge forces are still working against the family. It's just different members of yeah, the family. Yeah, it's just slightly slightly different drama. You know, like, yeah. Caramelinda and Satrina, they don't have the same antagon- antagonistic relationship that Amathar yes. and Caramelinda have in canon because Satrina's just generally more open to, like, working with Caramelinda and trying really hard to be a good queen, you know, yeah. doing her duty. She's all about that. Yeah. So there's not as much... I, uh, tension there but then there's tension with like Ruby becomes a warlock behind everyone's back and now everyone's like freaking out about that a little bit and <laughs> Caramelinda's like LePen what is going on why didn't you stop this from happening she's like 15 what yeah. Jet's got her own problems with like try is she's gonna be queen blah blah Saccharina's also there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Saccharina's just there. there having a good time with that. not as much trauma because she got picked <laughs> up by Safria when she was 10 <laughs> So true. Yeah, I sorted um, out all the saccharina yeah. trauma in the Big Bang fic. <laughs> 30k. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but, like, it ends up happening. Like, she only gets taken away after her connection from Lasley is severed, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. She, the connection with Lasley gets severed when she's, like, around about five, I think. And then Safria mm. picks her up when she's ten. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I do love that. Um. Yes. Um, yeah, so the next question we have is sort of like, you've made a ton of animatics for 5AU as well. Um, and I love that the idea of like, because um, you know how certain AU sort of have like a certain um, medium, like mm. some some people are like, oh, this AU is like as a book, or this one is as a comic. Mm. Um, is 5AU to you like a very like cinematic thing? Like, is it very much you see it as an animated show in your head? Um, y- Kind of. I do I do see it as very cinematic. I see particular moments and storylines yeah. as extremely cinematic. Others are just kind of like more fanficy because I'm also an author so I do write a lot of fanfic. Yeah. But yeah. particular moments are very very cinematic to me and animatics are just very fun for me to do. So I enjoy yes. doing them. And Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. And the 5AU animatics especially it was also just they're mostly Glee songs or inspired <laughs> by Glee songs because at the time I was going through a phase of listening to Glee songs. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I've watched like three episodes of the actual show, but I have listened to a lot of Glee songs, mostly the Trouble Tones mashups. Yeah. <laughs> the mashups slap, and I will stand by that forever. The Survivor mashup is haunts my dreams because it's so good and I love it and but and but a lot of the songs and the just I think fit moments really well like the vocals Mm. and music just I think also then fit the tone better than like the original versions would have yeah so for the events and themes of five and I just really jived with it and it was like yes let's make an animatic of these and also it's like I'm gonna make an animatic of glee songs that'll be really (laughs) funny (laughs) I'll just it's mess so with good. everyone. <laughs> and hey, it works. It, it works. works. If yeah. it works, it's fine. Yeah. And it's also just a fun way to get other people to, like, see the AU because it's a- yes. easier to watch a few minutes of an animatic that goes through a bunch of important events rather than read my 100-word lore doc <laughs> and my 30K <laughs> fanfics. <laughs> oh, my God go through all my timelines and birthdays that I gave everyone, the big (laughs) map of all the separate noble houses that I've made up. (laughs) (laughs) 
the detail of that. Oh, yes. Another thing I know I keep saying this, but another thing I really do love about Fireu is like sort of like the political intrigue, right? Mm. Um, which is like. A crowd of candy had a political intrigue to a certain extent, but then that sort of stopped after Lapan died and episode six happened. But because Safriga is such a is at the head of this sort of political intrigue in five AU, it goes on for way longer. And suddenly you have this dynamic between her and Plonaline, um, and <laughs> um, and Alfredi, and like yeah, all these important political figures that sort of becomes a way bigger part of the plot than it was in a credit candy. And I love that dynamic. Yeah. I, the political plot of Safria is very fun for me because I'm usually yeah. not that interested in politics stuff in stories, but Safria is just very fun. And Plumberline and Alfredi were really interesting to me and I really mm-hmm. wanted to like explore them more and like what they're about, what makes them tick. Because all three of them in particular are very similar in that they're all, yes. they're all very political. I think they're all fairly ambitious they're all very smart and capable Mm. and skilled but there's slight differences between them is then what really makes them different because like safria is very smart and will pull some shit but she it's always in the end goal of like protecting her family keeping candia safe getting good outcomes for her people and her family and sometimes a little bit of just like sort of trying to deal with grief but not really at all she doesn't deal with it (laughs) um well plumbling is just more like she kind of wants power but it's sort of a bit more selfish yeah in a way she's got her own issues she's like trying to get get out of her father's shadow and she really wants to like prove herself and then Mm -hmm. alfredi is just kind of more looking to looking for a little bit of revenge so she kind of wants to take other people down with her mm. and it's just all the different ways that the three of them interact and then we have Sapphaline, which is just <laughs> yeah which was just me making a joke and then I got invested because I think they're very fun <laughs> isn't that um, how the best it's yeah. like barely it's a very it's a testy <laughs> like I not not quite testy. It's an interesting relationship. I think they kissed once seven years ago. They don't kiss again, <laughs> but there's a lot of tension there. <laughs> and no one else knows if they hate each other or love each other. That's like the kind of the whole thing. I love that. <laughs> they meet up and just insult each other, but in like wink wink ways. <laughs> oh, so true. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So true. And then it's Alfredi like, comes along yeah. and like flirts with Plumbling and tries to get Plumbling to join in with all her bad guy shenanigans because Elizabeth isn't around. Elizabeth died yeah, 20 years mm-hmm. ago because Satrina had her executed after failing to kill her, which was so Satrina's true. big moment of regret. Ooh, <laughs> obsessed with that. Yeah, yes. yeah. Religion is real even when Elizabeth is dead for like 20 yes. years. Yes, <laughs> we religion is so real in 5AU. Yes, Elizabeth has been dead for 20 years. It's just canon, but reversed. <laughs> it's like, exactly! <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah, because I'm going to just derail about Satrina a little bit real quick because I love her, but the mm. idea then with her is that, so Elizabeth tried to kill her, she survived, I think in our version she survived because Theo was there. Theo mm-hmm. went with Satrina to Comeda or Bright Garden, one of the places, and was there and was able to stop her from being killed. Mm-hmm. And then Satrina, in the moment, thought considered Elizabeth, you know, such a really close friend. They were totally in love. Wink, wink. Love that. But she was so <laughs> betrayed in the moment that then she used 
she ordered Elizabeth executed for like attempted murder, assassination, crime against the church, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And she immediately regretted it. Because usually she's oh. she loves love. She's all about like second chances and forgiveness yeah. to a certain extent. Mm. But in that moment, she just totally went, "No, you've hurt me so deeply. I, I die, that. I guess." <laughs> and then for the die. next twenty years, she was like, "Why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. Just regret, regret, mm. regret." And that's her big thing. <laughs> I am obsessed with that. Yeah. So, what were we talking about before Satrina? What was it? Oh, Alfredi. Yeah, because yeah. Alfredi is the big then voice of the church because Elizabeth isn't around. So yeah. Alfredi's the one who, like, gets... That's so good. Yeah. And uh, so then we have the whole, like, triangle dynamic between Safria, Plumbeline, and Alfredi. Where oh, Safria yeah, and Alfredi are both kind of with Plumbeline, and, but they Safria and Alfredi hate each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they despise so each other so bad. They don't trust each other. They just, they hate each other. And Safria and Plumbeline don't trust each other, but also they do, but also they don't. Like, <laughs> Safria is like, this is my girl from Plumbeline, and this is my girlfriend's girlfriend, Alfredi. <laughs> Oh and then God. they're both trying to stab each other. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I do love it. And then that, that also so comes out like way in the like the beginning when, because uh, we don't have a trial scene because, you know, Satrina obviously didn't cheat on Caramelinda because she's Satrina mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Sakarina's parentage isn't a problem because Amethar's dead. So there's no like, there's no reason for the trial to happen or for Elizabeth to be like you married this woman while still being married to someone else because that's not a situation that happened here so instead what happens is that Safria is framed for Gustavo's murder oh I forgot about that yes yeah so Plumbling frames Safria and betrays her and sends the whole family on the run and Yes. And Alfredi, like, encouraged her to do it. And it's just... Oh, that's so good. I do. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. So, yeah, it sort of follows the same beats of... The same episode plots of, like, A Crown of Candy, but, like, with just the differences that happen because Safri and Satrina are, like, Mm. the surviving members of the rocks. Yeah. So good. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I, I think we can move uh, on yes. to the last question. Yes. Uh, okay. So we have one last final question. It's a universal question we're asking all of our guests. So mm-hmm. what is your favorite piece of fan work or fan lore that someone other than you, so another fan creator, has come up with? Oh, gosh. Um, I think probably the first one I can think of that probably – really got me going crazy were, would have been Safria and Cara Melinda, she, the relationship yeah. that people came up I think Caro drew some really good art for them and I was like, wow, Safria is really cool. I think she looks neat. Maybe I'll just go get a little attached to Safria. Here we are. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the, I think, yeah, the relationship that we thought was going to, or we sort of like, did as or we sort of had a, like a little thought experiment like what if Karen what if Karen, was, yeah like, another was, thing we were so close yeah. but not yeah, quite and we were so close and then yeah I think it was episode nine came out and we were like what yeah 
good yeah, times. And then I think Sweet Religion, obviously, is amazing. And I love it. Caramanda, everything about that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Calroy. <laughs> Calroy is Phantom and... Property now, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything about Calroy, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> A lot there. Um. <laughs> oh, gosh. Especially, like, the, the pre-chem and stuff. Like, the ravening war that really the impact of that that it yeah ended up, pretty much ended up yeah everything that anyone said ever about the ravening war i was all <laughs> over it <laughs> yeah. i'm still all over it so good so olive thank you so much for joining us no worries this has been so fun yeah um, thanks for calling in that's okay <laughs> i love talking about five so much yeah no it's like i love talking about five too i've always loved this at you and it's so good to be able to have this like sort of interview i guess yeah um yes so for our listeners where can they find you well, you can find me on Twitter at Safria Rocks <laughs> because I love you have her. a brand. I do have a brand, and I'm stuck with this brand because I put it on a bunch of my animatics. But it's fine because it's a great brand. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. And then you can also find yeah. Marisol at at Emberboro because they also helped make a lot of the AU and contributed a lot mm-hmm. of ideas. Yes. And do you have anything to plug? Um, I make baseball animatics now. That's pretty fun. I'm in the middle of one yeah. right now. <laughs> so true. Fun. Yeah. Yes, go check out all those animatics. They're so good. Yeah. So they... fun. Um, they're on your Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I think I've got them on my Twitter and then I've also got them on YouTube, but you can find them on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much yes, for joining us thank again. You. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you around. We'll see yeah, you on the interwebs. <laughs> on the interwebs. <laughs> We're going right, to hang up now. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> yeah, I honestly still need to read all those D20 Big Bang Feet because it was saved uh-huh. in 5AU. And I think they did two. Like, they did Ooh. one. Yeah, they did one that was, like, in 5AU and another one of the Seven Maidens in Fancy High. Mm. Um, but I do need to read both still. I have, like, a whole folder with just so many pics. I still need to read. And I just think, you know, D20 Big Bang was just so cool and well-moderated. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, don't you think the mods did so well? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yes, the mods were so good at their job. Yeah. Hello. How are you? Hey, who are we talking to today? Hi, <laughs> I'm doing amazing. Thank you for asking. I'm, um, my name is Dia. I use they, them pronouns and I modded for the Dimension 20 Big Bang event. Oh, so for listeners <laughs> who missed out on it or maybe don't know what a Big Bang is, can you explain the Dimension 20 Big Bang? Well, the Dimension 20 Big Bang, it was like started, I believe it started to grow during August of 2020. A Big Bang mm. is a fandom event where like um, fan artists and authors are paired together and artists write a fic that's like, incredibly long from over 50,000 to 10,000 words sometimes and artists draw some kind of accompanying art like for our event a lot of people did comics they did paintings you were really organized with that god most of it was like (laughs) helmed mostly by poppy who is the fellow mod um 
I did a lot of the Google Forms, a lot of the emails and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they came with the up with the idea, and they like mm-hmm. started the server. Because I know, like, yeah, because I remember joining me like, oh, this looks like really well modded and like professional. And there was like a countdown to when artist applications and writer applications would close, and all the like frequently asked questions were like so well formatted. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> um, so that was super impressive. Um, yeah. Anyway, we, we kind of got off track. <laughs> But let me get back to it. Yeah, because I feel like big bangs are kind of rare nowadays, or at least in like fandoms that are smaller. Mm-hmm. So I think it was yeah, it was super exciting to me to find like um, that Dimension Twenty had a big bang and to yeah be able to apply for it and stuff. I feel like in a lot of smaller fandoms, uh, one of the things that like <laughs> immediately kind of gets cut in that lack of community is like those big like fandom wide events, mm-hmm. like a weeks um like themed weeks and stuff that doesn't happen a lot with smaller fandoms so it's really nice to see like one of those big projects like a big bang happen in dimension 20 yeah like i think with dimension 20 in particular i don't think that many like collaborative community events happened frequently because in other uh tabletop role-playing communities i've been in there's been like dozens mm-hmm. of themed weeks and events and zines. Mm-hmm. But with D20, it's it's more of like the community is already so like tightened in together that it just never really happened because so many people mm-hmm. are already on the same page with things. True. Yeah, I think it was also like D20 Big Bang sort of introduced me to a whole bunch of like new writers and artists mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily super active on social media or on Twitter where I was um, to sort of meet, but like were creating fan works and stuff so I like yeah I love that we had like an event to build up like that sense of community and that like even now there's still stuff going on that will slowly build that up because yeah I think that's the thing with like such smaller communities it's so hard to find people and like other fans because people are sort of scattered Mm -hmm. but I like that like yeah D23 is getting to a point where it's like it's like tight-knit but also like welcoming of like new artists and new creators it's so fantastic like with Big Bangs in particular, I think one of the coolest things about them is in bigger fandoms, sometimes like artist communities and uh, thick writing or author communities tend to end up really separated on some level. But with mm. Bang, I think it was just perfectly timed to help start like um, kind of melding those two communities together or bringing up writers that no one paid, no one noticed until then. like I don't know I I think it was just really great to mod and to see and help people like commute like communicate better you know if that makes sense (laughs) yeah um yeah talking about modding um the big bang like what was so rewarding about it and enjoyable well it, it was really just the community that started to be built around it like the discord started like absolutely booming near the beginning and at certain points during like check-ins and it there was really just a sense of community around everybody who joined and even people who weren't in it because there were so many like posts on twitter about (laughs) panicking about (laughs) (laughs) check-ins and it was just so much fun to see people engaging together and like knowing that people who were paired up to do things some some i think started really becoming good friends after the event happened which is really cool the check-ins was so fun for me (laughs) because it was like 
Yeah, suddenly everyone I knew <laughs> who was involved was like, oh my god, the check-in's like a week, and everyone was re- in the replies like, what? <laughs> and everyone just like, like, panicking together or like struggling together is fun, even if it was like, we're all like racing to get things done. It was like, yeah, like that sense of solidarity of like, we're all into it. And I did really love, like, you did, you guys did really well in like having like social media presence, so like having a having a Twitter and a hashtag and a Tumblr and a hashtag meant that like I could go through the hashtag and like see what people were working on and see what they were saying. Um, and that was really cute and fun. And exactly like the community was really good. <laughs> yeah. I, like well, I would do this thing on the D20 Twitter where when check-ins were coming up, I'd see if anybody was panicking yet. And I'd like, like the <laughs> group just to. That's so funny. Uh, I think talking about panicking, I guess I'm a little interested in, like, was it hard tackling everything? Like, did you find that there was, like, really um, any, like, specific, like, roadblocks or just anything in general that was a little difficult during the process? It was in the beginning when applications were starting to come in. It was incredibly, like, taxing, I think, to make Mm. sure that everything was sorted and put together. The, we'd figured out the process beforehand, so it wasn't too hard, but it was like we had over 80 people total apply at the very least. And it was so, it was amazing to see how many people like applied, but God, it was difficult handling it. It became easier when over the course of the like three or four months the project ran because like check ins were stressful, but they were like a planned point in time. So it wasn't too like, I, I could schedule my my school stuff around it so that I'd have time on weekends, do check-ins, make sure that people yeah. like were up to date with what they were doing. It wasn't too hard. Yeah. In the <laughs> end though, when everything was coming to a close, it was like absolute chaos. I will say. <laughs> like I had so, so much fun. stuff planned, tried to figure it out, but in the end, we had, like, major technical issues. Luckily, they were figured out in time, but oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that with the AO3 collection? Yeah, I, I or... couldn't get into it for some reason. I didn't have access, so I had to make a whole new work, oh. uh, AO3 collection and make sure people knew to put their works in there because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't really run a big bang without yeah. having it all in one place. <laughs> yeah like the hard thing about producing the hardest thing I guess about producing is just like chasing people up mm. like yeah I guess yeah sending out just a whole bunch of messages <laughs> it was so like a lot of the emails were like copy pasted of course with like I would if someone mm. has was having specific trouble with one thing and they needed help I'd like make sure to elaborate on it but a lot of it was just menial like sending emails and making sure people replied and keeping up with spreadsheets (laughs) the office job life (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah I guess like me producing a curly candy pot and then also the zine now has made me have like real appreciation (laughs) for like how hard production oh yeah like actually like I love spreadsheets I know like when I was doing it initially I was like Oh, I was terrified of the spreadsheets, but once I started getting into it, I was like, actually, no, I can work with this. Like, I have a newfound love for spreadsheets now, and it's purely because I spend hours pouring over them. 
it's all about like keeping track of everything you need to do and just like I just like making just a giant checklist yeah. basically. Yeah, and copying and pasting messages. Like I'm not gonna lie, some of the invites to like the guests <laughs> like copied and pasted and changed the name. <laughs> so true. Just because there was so many. Yeah. yeah, just uh it was so so much for I think everyone involved. And I know that a lot of writers and artists involved in it specifically had a lot of trouble hitting the last few deadlines. Mm-hmm. Like I I've of course we had people drop out no like no malice to them because god like at some points I was ready to be like to throw in the towel myself but yeah. I know that it had such <laughs> an effect on so many people and I know that the positive was mostly like most of the effects on people were positive but I know that there are mm. a good amount of negative effects as well and it's <sighs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah I'm guessing like yeah, because that's the thing, the hard thing about such long projects is that, like, you could be, like, prepared for it at the beginning, but then as time goes on, it's, like, things happen that you're not prepared for and that, like, by the end, it's really hard. It might be hard to keep that motivation up. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that the event overall, it, it went pretty well, I feel like. Yeah, I know a lot more people who were just, like, super proud of what mm-hmm. they managed to do. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah, I think um, I'll take a moment to say if you're a fan consumer of anything, take a moment to appreciate fan organizers and fan content <laughs> creators. Like, I don't know, just, like, yeah. hearing you talk about, like, the time and dedication you'd have, you had to take for the Big Bang. Like, I don't know. If you're a fan consumer, like, just be extra nice to a fan content creator today. I think you should do that. <laughs> Um, yeah I guess talking about how successful it sort of ended up being um, is there a possibility of there being I think there were talks of like a D21 Big Bang Mm. I feel like if there's enough interest especially when it comes like closer to the summer when people are less like Mm. busy with school because that was one of the really big problems of D20 the the first like event and how it ran was it was right to have in the middle of not only a pandemic but it was in the middle of the first year first semester of a lot of people's school mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there's interest in the summer and if um I'm able to figure out better ways to make sure people don't get as burnt out as some did during the mm-hmm. event absolutely I would be so down to run another big bang yeah because mm-hmm. I think yeah I guess the production was hard but it was like super exactly super rewarding yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, something I did want to touch on that I forgot to before, but like, um, what I really enjoy about Big Bangs is like the spotlight it has on fic, mm-hmm. because I feel like fic writing is so underappreciated in fan communities in general. Because like, I guess art is like easier to consume; it's like a different medium. Um, so there's going to be differences, mm-hmm. right? And also, it's easier to be acknowledged by the creators of a particular media. Um, but yeah, like I like that D20 Big Bang because so much of it is about like the huge fic labels. Mm-hmm. Um, it really was like big artists um, being able to spotlight smaller fic um, writers and smaller like and works that didn't wouldn't have gotten as much um, notice had they not been also um, art attached and this whole event around it that I found very cool. And yeah, like I know, um, yeah, there were a lot of fic writers in the Big Bang and how I guess did you feel it like helped them I think that it really helped uh to shine like a light on fics that weren't or at least authors that wrote stuff but haven't really like participated in art 
in like the Twitter R spheres or just on Twitter in general. Yeah. Because I know we had like a, a good portion of our um, participants come from D20 Tumblr. And yeah. that in particular was so good. It was just so great because um, mm. like there's just not much interaction between the Twitter uh, D20 fans and Tumblr D20 fans. So it was, it was just, yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about the semantics of putting together a big bang project, the benefits and the rewards. I think now's a good time to actually talk about the content in it. So like, I don't know, just talk Mm. a little about like the works in the D20 Big Bang, works you remembered, any works that you worked on. How about that? (laughs) When I was doing the check-ins for D20 Big Bang, there was just so many absolutely amazing works sent in that I got to follow along with. Like one of the fics I was particularly interested in was this Esther fic that focused on um, what would happen if she became like the fury of sorrow in the park along with her mother and her grandmother. And it was so wonderfully done. And the art was amazing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think like fic especially, it's like really fun to see like, because you got the insight, I guess, into people's check-ins and, like, how they were going with the progress and stuff. Did you ever, like, read a lot of them? Like, were you ever excited enough to, like, really follow along um, people's works? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> some of them some of them I didn't get to read fully, and I'm still saving for, like, a rainy day when I'm really, really just spiraling <laughs> over D20. But so many of the, like... Uh, crown of candy fix and the unsleeping city fix that were being submitted just absolutely were amazing in concept and in execution and you worked on one as well with um d right yeah i did um i signed up as an artist as well as you know modding it Mm -hmm. because i just (laughs) i just really wanted to take part in it some of the ideas were very cool so i was like i partnered with d uh crayfish coffee i believe on twitter and they wrote a fic that focused on fabian and it was a character study on his Mm. trans uh identity and how that related Mm. back to his mother and his father and his Mm. self-perception it was so amazing yeah and i guess i worked on one as well i wrote a fic and i did art (laughs) um which was like it was so hectic (laughs) when the deadline came and i was like oh my god um (laughs) And yeah, working with an artist was so fun. And like, um, my artist was M um, Lumens on Twitter, and it was very much like, it was just so cool to see like um, their ideas come from what I was like writing and stuff. That was really cool. Um, and I did art for I believe it was Grumpy Hedgehogs on Tumblr, and I think they're recently on Twitter now. Um, but yeah, and I did like black and white illustrations for their really like absolute monster of a Lepanfic, like. Oh my god, it was so good. Um, and that one was like, yeah, it was all about what if Le Pan lived. And um, it was just about him like getting through like through the sh- and coming back through the Sugar Plum Fairy fight. And oh, it was just really good. And making like illustrations of that. And it was really cute to see like how they said like my um, art really gave them a lot of inspiration. And it was like vice versa. Where it was sort of like a collab, a really collaborative thing where it was like, because I was drawing scenes based on my scenes helped them like write more of it. It was just really, it was really cute. And it was also like, they ended up writing like, like <laughs> 35 to 40K as well. And so it was just like the solidarity of just writing so much. Um, it was very, 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 very fun. And yeah, it was just, yeah, super, super proud of like 
um, what me and my partner managed to accomplish both times. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the fix that were planned some somehow just immediately became mm. like way larger in scale than people <laughs> yeah. anticipated them to be. <laughs> I <laughs> it's not as important, but I will say when you brought up the lamp fanfic, I immediately flashed to uh the ID number it was under, and then I looked it up, and the one I remembered was the same exact one. <laughs> 67, baby. So, oh my god, I do remember the ID numbers. I do remember everyone who was in the Big Bang skirting the rules of the Big yeah. Bang. Yeah. Sharing their words with friends. Like, don't tell, don't tell the boss, don't. Yeah, I remember. Absolutely. I remember if I ever saw an instance of it happening, I was just like, I'm officially <laughs> looking away. I'm not in very We were so excited about some of the works that were being made that it was just like, yeah, people were skirting the rules a little bit. <laughs> I'm absolutely okay with it. Everyone was having so much fun and I love it. I don't know. You love to see yeah. it. You just love to see it. Um, oh, yes. I do want to ask, do we have any, I don't know, um, yeah, did we have any particular favorites um, that you worked on or wrote? I mean, sorry, that you worked on or read? I will say that one of the, I, uh, this one fic that someone wrote, it was one of the mm. Unsleeping City fics. It was like, the, the basis was a paper done by one of the Artiste twins from the Ooh. first season on like the first boxes in New York City. And when I saw the idea, That's I was so, so cool. hyped because it was such an amazing, Mm. it's so well done and i believe like and the art for it that i saw was phenomenal so it's i don't know some of the almost all of the um fix that came in with all the ideas were just absolutely yeah that sounds so cool i have to check that out yeah like again like i have like so many open from the big bang that i haven't gone to reading yet but will be saved for a rainy day i i think okay obviously the uh when all the big bangs started to come out the only season i had watched mm. was a crown of candy and like half of the unsleeping city so i pretty much was only keeping up with like those fics i read squid's fic and i left a comment <laughs> on every single chapter so if you ever read squid's big on the um dimension 20 big bang scroll down you'll see me it's like a little (laughs) prize of honor for me to comment on every chapter yeah i think what was especially fun about the big bang was that like it really gave people the motivation to work on such a huge fic or a huge project that they wouldn't have otherwise like i know for me it was like i definitely would not have written like 41k um had (laughs) this not been a huge event and like with deadlines and with like organization that'd be like okay I have to get this done um because I do have to impose deadlines on myself or I'm never just gonna get big projects done so that was like super helpful and just having like people expect and rely on you to do stuff I was like okay I need to write this I'm gonna do it um definitely so it was like it I definitely prompted a lot of works that I don't think would have come from just like if they were just deciding to write a huge fic like it was definitely a it was a moment for people to take that step into writing something big absolutely (laughs) okay all right i'm gonna launch into the last question um (laughs) yes and then a final little fun question that we're asking everyone who comes on for this episode um what's your favorite piece of fan work that the fandom has come up with that you weren't really involved in um god there were so many amazing things coming out especially when a crown of candy was airing 
But one of the projects that I kept up with, like, very consistently was uh, the music made by the Sig Sigfix Collective, mm. I think. Um, when their first album came out, Significant Figures, I was so mm. over the moon about it. I had those songs on repeat for forever. And seeing them in the finale being featured was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, very much... Yeah, yeah I think it really did that spotlight of, like, oh, after that, like, a bunch more of a fan music came out. And people... It was, like, sort of, like, an, just another piece of, like, medium and another um, creative opportunity for people who were in the creative industries to do stuff with. Because it's, like, now we have art and writing and music which was very cool. <laughs> I mean, I do have to agree that Sucrosy Road and Black and Blue fucked severely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh my god, the amount of times I've had Black and Blue on repeat. So oh, man. Road, huh? Musical talent. Oh, yeah. my god. Sucrosy Road, my <laughs> so beloved. Good. Angel cake, my <laughs> <Yeah>. beloved. <laughs> I was brought on for Sucrosy Road. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like finding out that there was a cowboy song literally made me absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, and forced got to it first, but and I totally respect that because I love the cowboy. But it was like it was so much. It was so funny. I will say that like just to know that the cowboy like um phenomenon, I guess, had spread so far outside of D twenty Twitter, like. I have an Instagram friend who does not use Twitter, but they fully oh obsess over Cowboy. So true! Oh my god! Yeah, like, I talk to get them, them so to much. I will, I will. They were talking about <gasps> the cows in the other day, and I was like, oh That's my so god. Yeah, I think, yeah. Cowboy is an interesting character. It's just like, um, yeah, I just feel like I don't talk to a lot of people outside D20 Twitter, but I want to, like, this is why I'm in the dropout Discord, where it's like, sometimes I really just launch into <laughs> random conversations. That's so cute. Um, yes. It's so much fun, honestly. <laughs> yeah. a, crown of can a crown of candy specifically is just a, just like an absolute mm. experience that I think won't be replicated. At the very least, yeah, it'll be hard to replicate, because, sure. oh my god. It was, so yeah, true. it was just like, I feel like a lot of all these factors, like, coming in, to just sort of create such a huge fan yeah. where it was like filmed during quarantine and like it released during quarantine um but it was like filmed outside of quarantine so it was like like I know like The Unsleeping City also aired during quarantine but I feel like there was less of that joy because it was like you weren't seeing they were also being quarantined right like they were also mm -hmm. being filmed um just from zoom so it felt like a little bit weird um and it didn't feel like as much of an escape mm -hmm. that a crown of candy would have because it was like you're seeing people interact in a physical space. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. And also just like the content of the actual season was so insane. And like people were spending so much time online. Like it was airing like live. So people could all tune in and react at the same time with each other. Um, yeah. So it was just like all these factors lining up. And I, yes, that is so, um, <laughs> that is so, it makes me so happy that there are people outside of our circle who also are obsessed with Carol. <laughs> so true. Oh Thank you so much for guesting, Dia. If any of our viewers are interested, where can we find you? Well, currently I'm on Twitter and Tumblr under the handle Sweetenberries. Um, I do hope to start like a Ooh. YouTube channel soon and start yes. posting things. 
um, video essays, art, stuff like that, stream a bit over under the handle spirit fairies, like the ghost. <laughs> and if any modding, if anybody ever needs any help with modding, I am so down for it. Mm. It's so much fun. Yeah, no, that would be so <laughs> exciting because I personally love video essays. So, yeah, <laughs> I definitely, if you ever get down to it, absolutely hit us up. That's so cool. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah, All thanks right. so much, Dia. We'll see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs> Wow, mods are amazing, I think. They do so much work and they get so little credit in the fandom. I think moderators are literally the essential workers of the <laughs> yeah. fandom. Like, where the would we be without hero. them? <laughs> <laughs> and we have one more caller. Who are you, lovely people? Hey, I am Drew, pronouns she, they. Hey, gang, uh, Morgan E. Lavendowska, also go by Wolf uh, Lavendowska, and my pronouns are they, them. Uh, we are mods for the Dropout Discord. Ooh, lovely to meet you all. <laughs> so it's so cool to be a fan and also be a part of the crew. So I guess the first question I want to ask is, how will you approach to be a moderator? Yeah, Drew, do you want to take this one first, eldest mod? <laughs> uh, thank you. I would love to. So yeah, the way I became a mod was uh, definitely very non-standard because, yeah, I was a holdover from when the Dropout Twitch channel was the Dropy <laughs> Twitch channel. Um, for those of you who don't know at home, uh, Dropy was a uh, YouTube channel slash company under College Humor. Um, but since College Humor was dropped by their parent company, they uh, then went independent. So... They've moved off that Twitch channel, and now it's just the Dropout channel, but it used to be the Drawfee one, and then before they decided, hey, what if Dropout did more streaming things? Um, so around, like, um, August 2019, uh, I cyberbullied the Drawfee hosts to make me a mod in chat one day. Uh... <laughs> purely shits and giggles like there was one mod because it was a very chill chat at the time uh my dear friend cam mm. and they were just like you know we trust you for some reason so fuck it yeah you can be a mod um <laughs> and then that timing sort of worked out really weird because a couple of streams after that um was the stream where they had uh, Brennan on and they were drawing people's D&D characters. So that stream got extremely hectic and they really actually needed us to step up as <laughs> mods and be helpful. So we got like notifications about it beforehand and Nathan kind of let us know, uh, the Dropping nice, host, yeah. let us know privately, hey, we're actually going to be merging with the rest of Dropout, so this will be the Dropout Twitch channel. Uh, hopefully that's cool with you guys. Uh, and uh. if you want to continue modding, that's great. Mm. And I was like, hell freaking yeah, I love me some D20. So I just sort of stuck around mm. for long enough, and uh, Andrew Bridgman has not been able to get me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you want to do, do you want to do Discord too? Yeah. So, shit, here I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm still here. <laughs> But I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but Morgan, what was the actually formal process like? 
Because <laughs> I was not part of the formal process. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if mine would be considered a formal process. Mm. Uh, oh. <laughs> I So I've only been part of the dropout community since January of last year, actually. Uh, came into Dimension 20 yeah. through Tiny Heist um, <laughs> after... My friends also badgering me to watch The Unsleeping City since I've lived in and love New York um, and just gobbled it up um, and then had been on tour so I wasn't super active and then the whole panini happened um, so suddenly I had a lot of free time uh, so I was just on the dropout discord constantly and became mm-hmm. friends with uh, Rain Solo and Kesterol Um it noticed, uh, especially when streams were still happening, Yeah, uh, how hectic chat was. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I have free time, and I professionally yeah. <laughs> am a manager of people, um, since I'm a stage manager. Yeah, uh, If you guys want yeah. help uh, with that, let me know. Um, I My official first episode for uh, moderating chat was the episode that LePan dies. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Um, so that was oh, that was a whole thing. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. But yeah, so I've only been a moderator since May fourth of last year of twenty twenty, yeah. um, and have since become um, the moderator captain of the team. Nice. Uh, by consensus from the other mods, I guess. Wow. Um, <laughs> not sure how all that happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I also work. I definitely as... thought you'd been around for longer than that. No, yeah, I am. I have forced my way into the community and have made myself <laughs> yeah. recognized. I also work as a caption editor now for Dropout. Oh, that's good. Specifically oh, for Dimension God. Twenty. Yeah. So, yeah, working guess... on the first season of The Unsleeping City <laughs> and working through all of that. Yay. So, yeah, I guess you came in just in time for a Crown of Candy, right? And sort of. The hectic <laughs> insanity. That, that was that. That sure was a first episode to start moderating. Right. For. <laughs> um, yeah. So you did start to bring up like your experience with moderating. So I guess for everyone who's never been a moderator of any like server or even like bigger servers like you have, in general, how is the experience of a moderator in a Discord and like um, a live stream on YouTube? Do you think you get to meet more of the fandom this way? Uh, I, I mean, for sure. Um, especially when we were still doing the YouTube streams. Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, there's a lot of folks who join the streams who aren't part of the Dropout Discord. Yes. Um, and it's interesting getting a rapport with like regulars who come back through that mm. chat. Um, yes. But also, like we're just fans. We're volunteer fans of the show. Yeah. Um, and of the company. Uh, so it's interesting having like a, a title with <laughs> the yeah, like community an <laughs> Clout. Um, and like even for stuff that we don't have jurisdiction over like i moderate for the facebook group as well as the mm-hmm. dropout discord and any streams that we do yeah um but even for like tumblr stuff or twitter stuff some mm-hmm. folks will like ping me and say hey can you 
Can you check on that? And I'm like, I don't have... I Look, my authority only reaches so far. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I can say something, but it, I don't have the authority to do anything here. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's been fun getting to meet more of the fandom. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, how about you, Drew? Uh, oh gosh, I found it, like, really fascinating because... Before being a mod, I was definitely already extremely online mm. and like in these spaces. <laughs> so I thought I had a yeah. <laughs> I thought I had a good sense of sort of like what the community was like. Um, mm. Certainly, where I was enjoying it, mostly like on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, since becoming a mod, you definitely are seeing everyone yeah. uh, because you have yeah. to. It almost makes you hyper aware. Whether that's a good thing or not is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I've definitely seen some people with some fascinating opinions. Like, like, (laughs) I didn't know you existed. But you do. Yeah, some takes. Definitely some takes out there. (laughs) Everyone has a fucking take, especially on A Crown of Candy, Christ. For sure. sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's almost, when you're moderating, you almost have to be hyper aware of everything Mm. within the community because you don't know when it could show up within either the discord or within like youtube um how is fanon gonna affect how people come into the show and react to stuff um yes tower episodes true true I react to the tower appearances. True, true. Um, yeah, because I think like something that I guess is sort of a recent thing when it comes to like online fandom is how much yeah fandom and how fan um, fans interpret things and how that affects in the text in general as well. Because things mm-hmm. that may not have certain implications yes. um, otherwise in the text might suddenly have different implications once you know what's actually happening, how the fans are taking yeah. that, and how. Um, how they interpreted yes, exactly. the previous events to whatever's happening now, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. really like, wrangling that kind of thing, especially when it comes to stuff like representation um, and the sort of, like, fandom head- headcanon yeah. thing that it gets, yeah, tricky to... Mm-hmm. I think fandom in general absolutely needs to make space for, like, um, everyone's opinions exactly. and for disagreement and how that's not the end of the world. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely very tricky, particularly because... Like, we're streaming on YouTube, a lot of people, and with the talkbacks, a lot of people seem to get the impression, uh, incorrectly, that A Crown of Candy was being recorded live. And oh, yeah. what they said in the chat, like, mattered and would affect how people played things. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, there was a lot of, I remember having to post frequently, of, this is not recorded yeah. live. Wow. This was recorded last August. We are not breaking the social distancing rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't even, it wasn't even yeah. just that. It was, like, people trying yeah. to affect how the cast was playing mm. type Gosh, of stuff. Happened? Which yeah. especially happened for, you know, Emily and Siobhan yeah. and Lou yeah. and Allie. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> just Anyone who was and pretty much there. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyone who yeah. isn't cis, mm-hmm. yeah, or femme presenting, or a black man, yeah, mm. which yeah. that's a whole other issue. It's yeah. God. It was. It was so much. 
Even for, like, characters who are black, but the person playing them isn't, somehow the misogynoir carried over still. Yes. And I'm like, I just... Yeah. How? How do you... How can you hate (laughs) Cara Melinda so... (laughs) I know. So much. Oh, God. I don't understand. In the first episode, people just decided, wow, woman is mean? Disgusting. Yeah. We um, had to ban the term bitch in we chat. We did! <laughs> yes. oh, oh my, my god. god. Yeah. And that was really hard to um, institute because mm. yeah. obviously people on the show curse mm. and people yeah. in chat curse and, like, and that's Emily fine. Emily will say bitch and I'm like, it's okay when Emily says it. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. when you're she's saying it about the, the cast or a character, yeah. that's not okay. Yeah. yeah. And then people would get mad at us and you don't. You don't have the same permissions as the oh, cast does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really interesting because I remember I did drop into a YouTube stream at one point. I I think I don't remember which stream it was, but it was one of them. And I remember there was a mod message about like, oh, we do not use derogatory terms. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow. I wonder why they implemented. It. Now I have my answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, and a lot of it, yeah. like, to a certain extent, was also people would quote Nagpod yes. in chat of, like, watch a bitch call lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't mm-hmm. listened to Nagpod, you're just seeing someone in chat call a female character and a female cast member a bitch. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, yeah. not everyone knows what this means and doesn't, yeah. won't get that reference, so yes. please don't. And- and it's the same yeah, thing and with then like. Think that's fine. If calling her a bitch in that context is fine, why can't I call her and this other one? Yeah. 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 And then with Sorry, Pirates of Leviathan, with Myrtle yes. the bitch, we're like, if you were calling her Myrtle the bitch, that's fine. That was a rule we had to instate is like, everyone's like, but it's in her title. It's like, <sighs> like okay, well, if, if you're, you if say you're Myrtle referring... the bitch, fine. Yeah, that if is the only anything time. Anything else, I hate you. Please yes. leave. And yep. oh, God, that would And I know it's off topic, but with Pirates of Leviathan, we got so many like new people, particularly uh, like yep. Mercer fans in chat, and they just like did not give a shit. Mm. Yeah, it was both a blessing and a curse of introducing a bunch of critters to uh, Dimension yeah. Twenty through Matt and Marisha being mm-hmm. on there. But we also had the issue of racism and misogyny yeah. uh, all popping up within that season. So. Yikes, yeah. Especially, oh, yeah, right. Pirates of Leviathan. It was a huge step for Dropout and um, mm-hmm. Division 20 for that representation. But, mm-hmm. yes, for sure, that could not... Not fun. Not fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I guess we've God, been... God, what was um, the question? Sort of <laughs> talking about <laughs> it all. Um yeah, but in general, like, how did your perspective of fans and the community change as a moderator? Because I know, Drew, you were online beforehand, and Morgan, you are quite new to it um, before you became a moderator. Like, how did it, yeah, how did it evolve? Oh, man. Um, God, I think I just sort of, like, <sighs> made me sort of just, like, disassociate in fandom spaces. Mm. Just when you can sort of take a, I'm not using the word disassociate, right? And I know that. Ah, uh, brain. Um, like, yeah, like, you kind of like back. mentally separate yourself from fandom almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you've got a weird second perspective where in my brain I'm having all of these like fun 
oh, like, let's make these jokes thoughts. But then yeah. the second anyone says anything out loud, I kind of just go, hey, um, let's do a little less para in your social. Yeah. Chill. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's weird <laughs> it's even getting, like, parasocial stuff as mods. Like, mm. it. Oh, God, that is so weird. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's I've never been in a space where somebody has known me and I don't know them before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> during during the charity stream that we just had, the AAPI um, mm, charity yeah. stream, which was awesome, raised forty one thousand uh, dollars. It was great. Yes. Um, yes, awesome stream. Uh, but people would come into chat and be like, "Oh, is that Morgan E. Lavendowska?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What is going Who on? Are you? I don't." Like, yeah. People on the internet pair their socials so hard to any like authority <laughs> figure yeah. online. I got parasocial a lot like on Twitter and I'm just yeah, like a fan. It was fan. bad. And people yeah, just are weird in my mentions all the time and I'm like, I don't know you. Exactly. <laughs> no. I'm so it's... glad I have three hundred followers. No one is parrying my <laughs> socials today. Yeah. Sure I I only have 900 uh, on Twitter, but it's, like, it's weird to go into streams and have people yeah. know who you are and, like, exactly. be weird about the fact that you are you. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. But, yeah, it, it I mean... It made me examine I, how I talk to people I look up to. 100%. Because, holy shit. Absolutely right. <laughs> like, 100%. I look back on DMs that I've, like, sent to people in the past when I was, like, 15. And oh, I just me. want to get my eyes out. I, was, I feel Lester, if you're out there, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. 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 When I say I've had a sordid history with just like being in fandoms, I, I really have. Uh, <laughs> and everything is so much, and I have so many regrets. And I'm glad that as a mod, I can take some steps to help other people recover. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes. Because we're all in rehab together, and we're all <laughs> trying to get better as people. Well, and it's, <laughs> I don't know how much older than you guys are. I'm 28. Um, it's interesting old, having dude. been on the internet so long and mm -hmm. seeing so many different fandoms go through waves <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Um, yes. Absolutely. It's, I mean, I've always tended <sighs> to be on the outside of fandoms just because uh, they can be a lot. They can be a lot. Uh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I have been pretty involved to a certain extent within the D20 fandom before becoming a mod, but mm -hmm. it's almost mm. like... We get screeners each week um, yes. for shows yeah. and uh, for Dimension 20 in particular. Um, and it almost it means you can't, like, theorize anymore with people because you just, you know too much. You know. <laughs> you've, you've seen the other side and you cannot go back. Um, it's so much. It's mm, so, so it's much. like, it's almost, it takes you out of the fan space to a certain amount. Yeah. I guess, extent. do I you find do that you have, like, a responsibility to, like, not be involved because you're a mod, or? Uh, to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, I think particularly with, like, discourse and stuff, it's mm. hard to be, like, trying to take a step back and be, like, objective about things. Yeah, um, yeah. like, with the even new just, season. Like, yeah. Go ahead, mm -hmm. sorry. 
Yeah. But, um, sorry, even just silly, like, jokey things, like when people were theorizing about, oh, I think a tweet Andrew posted, um, Andrew Bridgman, uh, social media person, mm -hmm. about, like, the episode where, spoilers, um, Theo and Gooey kind of. Oh, I remember that. Become a thing. <laughs> yeah. And there was a tweet that just alluded to some relationship, maybe something happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and... I like to get a bit cheeky about it and be like, <laughs> I know a little secret. Ooh, I'm special. Um, <laughs> just because I know that uh, people are already going insane and I like to fuel the fire. But yep. being able to see everyone's predictions and not comment on what is right and what is wrong. It's so hard. So hard. <laughs> Particularly yeah, when everyone's there's... making the most out of left field predictions and then it's also like, I mean, you're not far off. Yeah. Yeah, there'll <laughs> be times where, especially in a crown of candy, we would mm -hmm. screenshot f people's tweets and just share it in yes. the moderator <laughs> chat and go, how did they guess this? How? <laughs> what? I don't understand. I'm thinking yes. about how one of our friends, August, literally predicted not Pan's death. They were like, they yes. manifested to see death. And then they were right. Two minutes before. Just for, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Or even like, yeah. I know like people were shipping Caramelinda and um, Safria before Caramelinda mm. was mentioned, like Caramelinda last yep. week. So yeah, yeah. it was just especially with this season, I guess theories. People had so much fun with theories and went so out there that it was like sometimes they just were right. <laughs> yeah, it it just yeah. it just happened. Mm. It's oh, truly gosh. wild to watch. Yeah, like a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oh, I mean, God. we also had, um, we had, having, so we had uh, pre-screened Safe Harbor, mm -hmm. um, and then that episode ended yeah. up being pushed back because we did a charity stream, but oh boy, yes. having to hold on to Ooh, that yeah. episode for Three. two weeks, oh, <gasps> two and a half yeah. weeks, half was... Weeks. Was so oh much. My I don't know how the I oh honestly don't know how the cast does it sometimes because yeah. it's just, huh. yeah. oh no, oh, God. yeah, because I, yes, I completely forgot that was the one they postponed because of the charity stream. So yep. you guys had yeah watched that and had we to hold had on to the spoilers. Twist for of Calroy twisting the knife in the back oh and God. Jet dying, so and we all had to just sit there oh my God. and just wait <laughs> just have to sit there in my feelings oh my God. and yeah oh, jet dying was another thing i saw people predicting because oh, like God. when the trailer came out people were yeah. analyzing it like crazy and i was mm -hmm. among that because i definitely zoomed in on a screenshot where we could see spell cards and i was trying to predict classes yeah. before i knew them <laughs> um <laughs> But, oh, God, that almost ruined it for me because I was like, well, I guess this has finally happened and I'm going to go cry now. Yeah. Um, then I just, I yeah, had to just sit on that. And it's like, oh, yeah. you guys kind of know, but you also mostly don't. And, yeah. oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to be so in their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so, so, I'm so afraid and I'm so sorry. That uh, Calroy monologue, though. That oh, Calroy guy. <laughs> Holding on to with that this fucking monologue. So it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell he's an actor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, theater gosh. kid. Oh. Theater kid. Theater kids. Do we have an oops all theater kids? 
<laughs> I think we've had an Utsal theater kids here today in this chat. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, I literally just finished out doing my stage manager class. I hey. did my yeah. final project for it like two weeks nice. ago. Congratulations. <laughs> what did you think? Oh, yeah. It was a fun class. So, yeah, uh, for you, Drew, that you've been through like so many seasons, and for you, Morgan, Which since one? like A Crown of Candy was your first season, and now we've had a few campaigns since. How was it moderating, moderating such an intense campaign? Was it really different from the other campaigns that you've moderated? I know, like, during A Crown of Candy, there was, like, a lot of issues with YouTube live comments. So, like, yes. what were some okay. of the okay. tribulations with that? Wow. Um, I'm just, uh, think- real quick, real quick, I'm going to go on the record. YouTube moderation tools suck, and they need to be changed. <laughs> they are bad! Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But go um, ahead, Drew. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of moderation when there was Fantasy High Live. Mm. And because that was on Twitch and not YouTube. It was okay, a yeah. very different experience. Um, and it's weird that it's different because they're both just sort of internet live chats that stream yeah. things. But there's something about YouTube that brings out all the icky people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, this is just a weird, ha- like, yeah, purely technical aspect. The box where text appears, like, you get less chat in it that you can see at once. So it feels mm-hmm. like everything is going so much faster. Yeah. And, yeah, and also just, like, it was so much, it's a much more serious season, Crown of Candy, despite the setting, obviously. Yeah, um, but uh, if, yeah, yeah um, I, know, I know I said this earlier, but everyone has a fucking take <laughs> on everything. <laughs> yeah. God, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even to your point on the differences between Twitch and YouTube, our two previous charity streams we did for Black Lives Matter, and then the Get Out the Vote one that we did in October, <laughs> we're both yeah. on YouTube. Um, and were awful. Uh, yeah. Just truly I, yeah. an awful way to moderate. Because the tools are, you have to hold alt to pause the chat, which also pops up tools for it. But if you mm. don't do it quick enough, it'll just go by. And then you have to ro- scroll up and try and find it yes. while it's still oh, moving. Exactly. Um, and then also, auto-catches a lot of stuff, but it'll catch like Black Lives Matter, uh, or, yeah. like, Ally, um, pardon me, um, and other stuff like that while also not co- catching, like, hate speech. And I'm like, yeah. hey, YouTube! Hey, YouTube! What the hell? Uh, whereas when we did our last stream, the API stream, um, we did that over on Twitch, and we had yes. maybe two people that we had to ban? Mm-hmm. total for the entire stream compared to the hundreds we've had on YouTube. Yeah, And wow. I don't know if it's just to do with how easy it is to make users on YouTube, on YouTube. or that if it's just the true. fact that it's YouTube and it's easier to... Yeah. There are more people on there. I don't know what mm-hmm. exactly is happening mm-hmm. with it, but it just... YouTube brings out uh, trash. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, insane yeah. to deal with because there's just the tools aren't really there for it. 
Yeah. The the red play button is a flag, and they're waving it in front of a raging bigot <laughs> bull. And oh god, no. <laughs> everything is so much. Everything mm. is so much all the time. Yeah. And oh god, I think if we had been <laughs> streaming a crown of candy and. Pirates of Leviathan on Twitch, we would not have had as much issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I definitely which think... is a wild thing to have to contend with. The yeah, purely the streaming site that we are using affects yeah. the audience's audience. participation and experience. Because yeah. that's what's happening is we're trying to moderate and make sure that everyone in chat is having a good time. Um, yeah, and not having to deal with sexist racist bigoted idiots mm. um while also like we're fans too so we're trying to interact with the other fans there yeah but if there are that many people there we literally cannot do that or we'll have to split yeah. up duties like yeah exactly. on like the election night one i literally was just on blocking duty of I was just going through and hitting all the blocks while coordinating yeah. with Colby and voice chat of saying, Hey, that just went by, I can't get it. Can you grab that while I'm hitting yeah. <laughs> do not let through type of stuff on there. So it's Wow, yeah. It's interesting realizing the uh, differences purely in platform. Mm, it's, and then when we switch to tricky. Discord only um, mm-hmm. for the Unsleeping City Chapter 2. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any issues mm. outside of me having to ping Andrew to let Brennan post an image in <laughs> live chat because I had banned I had banned images in live chat after a crown of candy. Oh, oh no. Um, oh, no, what were they sending in? It just, it was, it's, so it's a combination of, like, food mutilation pictures mm. but also just like random gifts that just push chat up and i'm like i yeah. can't i literally if you it's keep hard. posting images yeah. i can't moderate this chat it's like we so get it you i'm like andrew <laughs> andrew yeah. i know i've been here a month we need to get rid of liz yeah uh, yeah Fair enough. it's it's a whole thing I also instituted a spreadsheet for taking care, uh, for uh, tracking people we've had to give warnings to. Because uh, yeah. previously it was we didn't have a system of letting each other know that we've talked to someone already. Yeah, so true. I'm like, can we can we track this? I know I've been here a week, but uh, as someone who has only started having to actually look at this stuff, it would be nice to know if this person has already been warned. Yeah, no, fully. That was so unbelievably helpful <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think probably wasn't even an issue that had to be handled too much prior to a can a crown of candy mm. i don't i don't know the extent of mo- the moderating issues prior to a crown of candy since i came in on that mm-hmm. season but i definitely have noticed a decrease in need for it post a crown of candy and pirates of leviathan Mm. Those food people really bring it out. <laughs> the the um, food, you know, you know, the racism against yeah, was, uh, yeah. co- coded uh, people uh, in the like, Crown of Candy sure was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, just their full racism and massage noir and Pirates of Leviathan was a whole, huge thing. Yeah. Like, I don't and it really a... sucks that I keep having to talk about it. 
but yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that these two seasons in particular are the ones that have created the most like backlash like people yeah mm-hmm. absolutely even if a crown of candy like the same cast exact same cast mm. <laughs> same people behind the screen but because like we get um like samia has uh, black coded in the art these characters that suddenly now oh like yeah i don't know even though they're the exact same cast members it i guess just yeah. still had still was enough to bring out like the racism in people it was yeah, yeah. awful truly wild and frustrating to see Mm. yeah absolutely and i I just want to i want to say there were lovely people during that time too it just (laughs) yeah uh, honestly it's definitely the thing that stands out the most is the issues it's like when you look back on something and you only remember the bad times Mm. Um, like we've talked a lot of shit but (laughs) more often than not i enjoyed the live chat for the episodes coming out mm. because it was fun to just like have silly jokes and yeah. stuff with people <laughs> as they were happening and you know to watch people scream as Preston is killed yeah um, you know it's it's a good yeah. it's a good time to feel like you're part of a community because mm. you can see everyone and that's really it's really lovely and unique it's, yeah, it's just really cool. like it's a handful of people mm-hmm. who are really good at making many YouTube accounts. And I know yep. that that's yeah. what some people did because they would brag about it in chat in mm. front of me, which is a very oh smart God. thing to do. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they stand out, but you know, I like yeah. that. Jokes. Well, and it was interesting too, since uh, Corona Candy came out right as the Panini was upticking yeah Yeah. and we all got the stay-at-home orders we had a lot more people suddenly join in the fandom so when you have so many more people coming in um you're kind of bound to have some issues it's something we saw with critical role when critical role got bigger Mm -hmm. um and so it was something i was aware of as we were going into it too of just we have more of an audience so stuff we just need to keep an eye on everything yeah. more yeah so it's it's been insane watching this show grow since like mm-hmm. season one mm-hmm. even just as a fan because yeah definitely like, what starts off is just also. like you and like maybe a yeah. hundred yeah maybe like a hundred people on twitter making like the same jokes and then it just sort <laughs> of goes insane and you can't keep track of everything and it's really it's exciting Hmm. scary but exciting yes yes definitely i definitely think yeah like i know me personally it's like i love finding new creators in fandom who have just like joined or recently um decided to start watching um yeah and just sort of like interact with them and be like yeah just because i love that sense of community between artists in or like fan creators in general in d20 um it's really lovely it's about watching someone post like their first piece of d20 fan art and yeah exactly like everyone you know just like follow them and reply and say yeah yeah i can attest to that fostering of a community (laughs) i was mutuals with sam before getting into d20 and she's what she's what brought me in here and it was literally like i drew calroy one time and then i went from 250 followers to 300 like in the span of a month that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Calrot oh, yeah. for life. <laughs> <laughs> Locked together. Let's go. Um, 
Also, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I did tell Brennan what that means. Uh, oh my god. No. Oh my everybody. god. That is not trash. Actually, you can tell Brennan to watch the podcast. <laughs> I think that's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, let me let me just Facebook message him real quick. <laughs> I, I am. Okay, so this is the last final question that we're sort of asking everyone who's guesting on. Yeah, so what's your favorite piece of fan made content that the fandom has made that you haven't been a part of? We, um, I mean, we have such a talented audience um, <laughs> and fan base that it's just, it's really hard to choose one. Like, the fan mm-hmm. art, the fan fiction, the songs. I just, uh, yeah, it's hard to pick any of them. I'm just uh, constantly impressed by all of the hard work people put into stuff. I will say one of my favorite pieces is probably is probably August's uh, version of Keratin. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. I think that I think that I think that might be my uh, favorite. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will say I did not care much about Keratin until I saw August's content. And See, here's the thing: is is, is the Keratin that is in Corona Candy is not the Keratin that August gives two shits about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, I very it, much it's enjoy that, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just not to be a shell, but I'm so excited <laughs> for the Cal <laughs> I don't know whether I'm going to be involved in it. I have applied. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just, it's just such a fun concept. And no cake Roy allowed is. Thank you. It really tickled <laughs> me. And I think that's a very important rule. Uh, uh, Listen, so, if you yeah. don't, if you I'm don't think cake Roy is hot, then you're lying to yourself. No, no we're not. We can't That's on our public <laughs> podcast. You do got <laughs> cake though. No. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Um, uh, yes, Cal Z is, is happening. Um, so true. I also applied. It's yes, very yeah. exciting. Yeah, when it comes to the Cal Z, it's like Calroy as a fandom character, as a fandom inventor. <laughs> He's is, public domain now. It's so completely separate from the canon Calroy that he might as well be a fan creation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much like uh, August Keratin. Uh, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Caroy is an OC. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Brandon, please, please do not steal. steal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, hold on. Let me get on the phone with Brennan. Hey, Brennan. Yeah, they, they say you can't own him anymore. <laughs> you have to give up the rights to Brennan. Have, uh, they say you have to give up the rights to Calroy. <laughs> okay. He's his own man now. Wild. Uh, Not have it. You didn't yeah. treat him right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. God. Truly wild. I will say one thing I forgot to talk about was uh, mm-hmm. being older within the fandom space is interesting. Mm, yeah. Ah, yes. That is, that is fascinating. fascinating. No, I actually am curious about how it is like being an older person of fandom. Because like, there's little things like, oh yeah, maybe not picking up on like the slang or whatever. But is it like, like does it change the way you interact with media entirely? Or like, do you think you'd interact I with me? Yeah. With I don't know if it's, it's not... I'm so I'm closer to the age that the cast is, which I think mm. helps to a certain yeah. extent with some of their jokes. Yeah. Um, p- 
possibly, but I think the biggest thing is just interacting with the younger fans. Mm. Um, and, like, not understanding why August keeps saying so true. <laughs> and oh, needing gosh. that explained to me. Yeah. Um, and well, other, honey. Like, playing stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but uh, I'm glad for you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but also like being aware of the age dynamic like mm. when interacting with uh younger fans like especially in the yeah. discord since the discord is all ages mm. yeah mm-hmm. um and uh i'm not a mod there but i'm known as a mod anyways so even though I don't have any weight there, I still have like almost a reputation I have to un- uphold yeah. while also being the older person and so having to be the responsible one. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like especially when I'm talking to younger people or I'm talking to older, like I turn off a switch in my brain where I like like this entire episode I've like maybe held back on saying so true. <laughs> Yeah, subconsciously. You definitely said it at one point, and I'm like, "That's there's that thing again." I still don't understand what's happening. I mean, it means August kind of explained it. It's August kind of explained it, but I still don't fully understand what's happening. So once again, I just want to say thank you so much for talking with us. It has been like really so wonderful to get like this new insight, Mm. and also for our audience. If they want to check you out, (laughs) where can they check you out? Yeah, I have uh, essentially nothing to shill out. uh, (laughs) But if you want to find me on social, you can find me at M. Lavendowska. I'm sorry. I'm also not sorry at the same time. Um, Hopefully they will have it somewhere. uh, So you don't have to try and figure out how to spell it. Um, Incredible. (laughs) I'm hoping to eventually release, like, an audio synopsis of the mod editor campaign called Solaris um, sometime down the line. But, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And it's M. Lapandowska on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Gosh, and I... um... This is just a little bit of self... Well, no, it's a charity project. It's not selfish. I'm allowed to do this. Um, You are allowed to do this. Yes, correct. I uh, co-produced a charity zine that is um, essentially a D&D source book. It is like 190 pages, fully illustrated, pay what you want. Uh, And all money goes to the NAACP. Uh, We made it to support Black Lives Matter. Um... (laughs) And that is called the <laughs> Book of Lost Magica. That is C K A because we're fancy, and you can find that on the DMs Guild. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a really special product, and I'm so proud of it. And there's so much content in it, and you'll probably recognize uh, a lot of the artists at least because mm-hmm. you know we are all from the exact same circle because that's where my reach is to get people to volunteer for stuff. Um, yeah, entire like community project. So many like races, like classes, subclasses, mm. monsters. It's it's a really good time, and you'll enjoy it and like it. Please get it. It's for charity. Ninety five percent of profits go 
to charity, other five percent goes to the website. Um, but yeah, on, um, on a more selfish note, uh, my socials, uh, mostly just Twitter, is at dropout and chill because uh, I'm. I'm <laughs> See, that's so much because easier I'm a to corporate find. Corporate chill. Yeah, everyone knows how to spell that. Yeah, if you're if you're really wondering, it's L A V as in Victor, A N as in Nancy, D as in dog, O W S K A as in apple. <laughs> my shill every time for how to spell my fucking last last name. I love my last name. It's made up. It's it's what? Yeah, exactly. My great-great-grandpa's brother was writing bad checks in his name, so he changed it. So there are only ten of us. But it's like, oh, wow. uh, it's just a pain. It's a pain to explain every time. Oh, <laughs> yes, you had that oh, good spiel about your name. Very well memorized. <laughs> yeah. Every time. I have to explain it whenever I call any place. It, they have to write yeah. down my name. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys both for guesting. This has been really yeah. good. Like, love getting that. Yes. Um, I guess the very yeah. kind of thing. It was yeah. awesome yeah. getting to actually chat with you guys. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Voice chat. Yeah, so. Voice chat, yeah. With voices. We're real people. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. I'm being deceived. Next time I ever go into a stream and see you guys, I'll be like, ooh, I've talked to those people. <laughs> you start parroting the socials. No, I will not. <laughs> I have enough awareness. The only place Disgusting. I will ever pair my socials is, I don't know. I also, I also did have a Dan and Phil face, so sorry to 14 year old yeah. me who was not... I every day I thank the Lord that I was too poor to see them in person because I would have met to them if I had met them. My Lord, uh, I think I was just I old enough to meet them. that face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like I had a face, but I didn't. I was very shy on the internet for a very long time, I so went I would to not have. And I paid three hundred dollars to meet them. Oh my oh, God! God. Oh, no. Listen, oh my God. listen, listen, <laughs> don't listen, ignore me, it's really sad. I met Laura Benanti for free. Listen, they're <laughs> nice, they were nice to me, I, I still enjoy the content. <laughs> 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 oh God. Wild. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, have a have a good night, you guys. Thanks for having, uh, thanks for chatting with us yeah, on this phone call. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> have a good it one. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> See you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And in fact, that's all the time we have forever because yeah. this is our final episode. Unless, of yeah. course, season two of A Crown of Candy comes out, in which case, a cock pod, electric boogaloo. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, D20, if you're going to release another Crown of Candy season, please, please do it. Please, please. we're begging you we, on our we hands and knees. Second season. <laughs> We are you. so we are oh down horrendously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So I guess this is our close off forever, which is kind of insane. Um, yeah. Truly, I can't believe we're already like at the end of it. Oh my god. Yeah. 
I know. I truly, first of all, can't believe that we got so much content. Like, we managed to talk so much. Yeah. And second of all, I can't believe it's, like, actually ending. Like, the fact that I won't be yeah. awake until midnight every other Thursday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like... We always knew this was always planned to be a 10-episode miniseries, mm -hmm. but now that we're at the end, it's like, damn, this really was a 10-episode miniseries. Yeah! <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for listening to a podcast of Candy, our extremely niche podcast about all things that kind of candy. It's been such a ride, and, like, truly, we didn't expect to get, that, like, that many listeners. Like, this podcast was made for, like, maybe 10 people <laughs> who we talked yeah. to, and who probably guessed it on the show, so... <laughs> to like yeah see other people listening to it and things so thank you for all the support yeah it's been literally so fun doing this podcast mm. and also i have so enjoyed everyone's reactions to yeah. the episode so i've seen a lot of like live tweet threads sometimes people will reblog the tumblr posts and like add things that they notice in the episode in their like tags and yeah. i see it and i'm like oh my god you watched the episode oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's just been so fun everything about the process has been fun including like getting people onto our episodes to talk to us yes i literally love being able to just get on call with people and talk to them at length with for a crown of candy like yeah truly so that has been a dream and this is so great <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, thank you to the dropout crew and cast for making a season that we can go this insane over. I'm kind of kidding, truly. It has changed my life, which is so embarrassing. But like, <laughs> literally, now I'm on Spotify. <laughs> and yeah, thank you to everyone who stuck around and listened. Um, even though, yeah, we were truly as self-indulgent as possible as we could be with this. We tried to stay hinged, we could not. Truly, yeah. I think A Crown of Candy <laughs> has changed my brain chemistry. Yeah. I think I have a new brain now. <laughs> yeah, it literally, truly changed the way I thought about like narratives as well and just lore mm. and fandom. Um, and it's been so interesting to think about. Yes, and thank you to all our friends um, who sort of, I'm gonna say friends oh, and family, yeah. but truly I'm not telling anyone in my family that <laughs> um, Thank you for all the friends who have like encouraged us to make this, and it's just sort mm -hmm. of been like, we talk about a kind of candy so much on Twitter that we, we were just like yeah. joking about making a podcast, and then everyone was like, no, we will legit listen. And so. We did a podcast. I, I want to give a fun. very special shout out to one of my IRL friends who literally has never seen A Crown of Candy and watched the podcast and like <laughs> literally listened to it while making herself oh dinner. God. I love you. Mwah. Yeah, to all my Twitter mutuals who like listen to the podcast despite not like watching A Crown of Candy, I love you. Tiz, if you're out there, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> So rest assured, this is also to say that even though this is our final episode, we are not going to stop going absolutely fucking bonker yonkers <laughs> over a crown of candy on our socials. And if you hadn't heard it before, our socials are respectively <laughs> my Twitter, got a promo, final my Twitter promo. is <laughs> final, final promo. My Twitter is spideyevil616, that is S-P-I-D-E-Y. D-E-V-I-L-616. <laughs> and my Tumblr is Gardens of Eve. So Garden of Eve, but there's multiple of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And mine is Kindle Stark on Twitter. It's Kindle and then Stark. And then Kindle Spark on Tumblr. And yeah, truly, we will not stop talking about a crown of candy. Like fully. I'm Absolutely not. Every day I wake up and think about Cal <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> 
I literally just truly get online and just talk about a can of candy from the very moment so I wake up. Um, so truly, <laughs> we will not stop talking about it. So you can still check us out there and ramble with us, or literally just get us in a voice chat in any server that we're sharing. Like, uh, yes, if you see both of us in the will. server, just add us. We'll get on immediately. We can and will talk to you about a can of candy. But yeah, for the last time, signing off. Let's do this next bit together. Okay. Be like, okay. Thanks for listening. For listening. Ooh, I went in late. <laughs> okay, let's do that one more time. We, we, we need a countdown. We need a countdown. Yeah, I, I think you should like keep, keep this in, though. I yeah. think you should okay. keep us failing in. <laughs> Genuine. Okay. Three, two, one. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Woo. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. This is so much.